say no to drugs. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? What do you think this is all about? You think this is a fucking costume? This is a way of life. I said, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. I'm gonna bash them right the fuck in. Hey everyone, welcome to the Vintage Horror Podcast, where we talk about all horror, not just the vintage kind. I'm your host, Kyle, and with me today I have Rob. How's it going? And Mark. Hello. Today we will be talking about Hereditary from 2018. But first, we'll crack a cold one open with the boys. But first, we're going to talk about how you're a fucking piece of shit, Kyle. Why is that? Um, so I listened to the Lost Boys um, mm-hmm. episode last the other day. Yes. Something's missing from it. What's that? I still believe. So what? I just want to let you know you're an asshole. What? You put <laughs> you any talking <laughs> thing. We literally could have played the whole movie and that would have been it. There's other music in there. I, but I'm saying the best song. That's not the best song in there. So. Cry, little sister. So that's, that's the stuff with song. me. That's I'm pissed off. That's, um, all, that's literally it? No. <laughs> okay. All right. M- M- Rob. Recording in our, my office again at work. Not really my office, but, you know, I'm the supervisor, so. You're not the supervisor. I really am. You don't supervise anything. I supervise. You couldn't manage a bowl of fucking Jello. Um, I got the iPhone in the mail the other day. Very happy about that. Very cool. Um, we went to um, Time to Eat Diner or something like that. With Mike, yep. Time to Eat. Time to Eat. Got a couple of fat sandwiches. It was all right. Had a good waiter. Shout out to Andrew. Is that his name? I don't know. Uh, I just get it. It might have been Andy. Then we went to that mall, Bridgewater Commons. Very nice. I guess so. <laughs> Nothing that really they ever like, so. I went, bought that chocolate from that place that I can't remember what it's called. Lint. Lind. 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 Anyways. Saw my guy Danny Duncan last weekend on Long Island. Fun time. What does he do? Uh, come back to me on that one at a later date. Um, other than that, not too much. Um, a lot of new shows came back. It's the it's the fall premieres, like um, Modern Family, Tosh is back on. The Good Place. Good Place didn't watch it yet because I literally... Oh, yeah, so well, I didn't watch it last night. My dad got his iPhone last night, and so I went to activate it. And it said on this phone, oh, please call Verizon. So I'm like, all right, let me call. So I'm telling the lady, she's like, all right, cool, I'll activate his phone, no problem. And she deactivates my phone and puts my number on his oh, his new phone. So for two and a half hours, I was on the phone with Verizon trying to figure out what the fuck the lady did. Wild. It was very bad. And when, the best part is, like, I was talking to her on the phone. She's like, all right, I'm activated now. And my phone went off. I'm like, oh, it sucks. I, like, lost her. And then I looked. I'm like, fuck, I ain't got no service. And I looked at his new, like, iPhone and had service. And so I'm like... Uh, what? And so she called like, bro, what the fuck did you do? My dad's like, I don't think you should talk like that. <laughs> I'm like, yo, I'm ready to fight this lady through the phone. But after two and a half hours, we figured it out and she gave me $50 credit. She gave you $50 credit because she fucked up? She said 20 and I said, absolutely not. <laughs> I said, you will put your supervisor on the phone now. We'll be getting more than 20. She said, okay, sir, we can do that at the end of this. And then like 45 minutes later, we, um, somehow she paired our phones. So if I, like both phones were getting text messages. <laughs> like so if I texted you yeah, it would go, go to both phones, phones. It would, she's like I don't oh. know what I did I have an Android I'm so sorry and I said she's like okay I'm gonna give you another $20 credit and I said no she's like <laughs> then that's when she said 50 but so so was it 70 altogether? Or? no it was 50 okay. it was 50 total so it was good but other than that um, it's Friday it's the weekend everyone's ready for the week we got a fucking stupid wedding coming up 
Yeah. Don't want to go? Don't want to go. It's next week. Yeah, fuck that wedding. Uh, did you watch American Horror Story? Oh, yeah. I forgot that came on, too, last week, and I haven't watched that yet, so. <laughs> Dude, I've been on the phone with Verizon too much, guy. I've been meaning to watch the new season. Yeah, I'm well, playing, too, playing too much Madden. Like, I was going to watch it the other night, but I got off at Xbox at 10 and went right to bed, so. All right, so we'll say that for another time then, I guess. Well, next weekend I'm going to th- – I'm, I'm sorry, not next weekend. This weekend I'm going to watch – I'm going to catch up on Modern Family, Tosh, American Horror Story, if it's good. Um, it's only two episodes. But I'm saying if the first episode sucks, I'm not watching it anymore. Okay. Um, also, um, I don't know if you're into it or you if you're into it, uh, Breaking Bad, the movie, had a trailer come out, like an actual trailer come out. I never watched the show. Did you watch the show? Yes. Yeah, so – Never finished, though. Oh, it's a very good show. It comes out October 11th. looks cool. But – enough talking for me so what's up with you rob gotta see kyle's eating his fingernails right now whatever man (laughs) it's like i always come into these recording sessions and i'm like i know exactly what i'm gonna say and then i you know it helps when you write shit down nah it's all right why would you write down what you did did you do that that's what i do every time that's why we don't sit there you have to write down what you did because you don't remember that's why he's the host you see how he's he's just literally just said like i don't remember you know what you're kind of nah. right because i remember a couple weeks ago i had to remind him he went to boston yeah you had to remind me where i went that's great yeah. uh no nah, every time i have to remind you you went did something so it's 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 been a wild week pretty much right after we finished recording i adopted a dog my girlfriend and i adopted a new dog from the shelter um so that's been a lot of fun he pretty much destroyed half the house so that's good speaking of the last time we recorded and you left did you get any notifications at all yes or? uh we were very happy to have donald trump endorsed in our household uh-huh was there anything else was there anything else at 804 i believe yeah you're lucky i went through and deleted those notifications before they started going off in that house so uh <laughs> regardless um yeah the week was kind of up and down my dad had some setbacks health-wise, but he seems to be doing a little bit better now. We're hoping for the best. Been dealing with the dog. Uh, managed to get myself sick, which has been fantastic. Um, but I was able to, before getting sick, uh, attend a concert. I went to go see Delane Amorphous uh, in Philly. Oh, set. Hell yeah, dude. I didn't know she was still performing. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. But yeah, it was really cool. My girlfriend and I went. We had a great time. It was in Philly. Um but yeah, that's. Did you get cheesesteaks? No. Oh so my god! I wanted to get a cheesesteak, but I was hungry on the way to the concert, and we were about we were driving down the road, and all of a sudden I looked down the road, and I was like, "Is that a Popeyes?" And she goes, "How do you see that sign?" From was that it on seventy on Route seventy? No, it was on uh, seventy three or something. Oh, because I feel like there's a Popeyes. We were gonna stop at the one time we were going to Philly. Yeah, so I went to Popeyes, and then I like ate Not that, you. and then I instantly regretted eating Popeyes before a concert. It wasn't a smart idea. But I feel like if Kyle, this was Kyle, and he was hungry before, he would eat and then force himself to eat a cheesesteak after. And I would take one home. Yeah. He's so weird. <laughs> he would force, if he wasn't hungry and he was in Philadelphia, he would go and eat it just to say. I would eat the cheesesteak and I would eat cheese fries, even if I wasn't hungry. Yeah. He's such a stupid fuck. Yeah. No, I'll be going back to Philly soon. I'll definitely get a cheesesteak. I remember when we went to go see Baby Metal. Yeah. We got out Philly. late. We went and got Geno's. Yeah. That was open like 24 hours. Yeah. I don't know which one is it is. It was That's good. the one we ate last time. Me, Mike, and Johnny. Johnny Shout out, Johnny, Mike. So, yeah, that's about me. Nothing crazy and everything crazy at the same time. So, Kyle, what's good? Um, Well, I was on call last week, and I worked a lot, so I was very, very mad. And um, But it all you know, worked out when I got my check, and it was really nice. I, I don't think it was worth it, though, because my time, my life is not worth any amount of money. My 
time is priceless. So are you buying dinner uh, after this? No, absolutely not. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, well, I already spent all my money because we're going to see Adam Hunter, Those and I bought tickets for that. It's twenty fucking dollars. I gave you twenty dollars already for it. <laughs> yeah, and I bought me and Sam's ticket. I only bought your ticket, Mark, and said, "All right, there you go." <laughs> uh, I got back into Friday Thirteenth on Xbox. So if anybody wants to play, let me know. It's about to be free. October sixteenth. October sixteenth. So I'll be in anybody, the lobby. Anybody with, yeah, okay. Anybody with fucking <laughs> Xbox can play with me. I don't care. Uh, they don't have cross platform for that. As long as you don't mind me. Talk- no, not yet. As long as you don't mind me talking shit. Yeah, like, they will never have that. Well, I'm saying like it's not like yeah, yeah, common for most things. So no. Um, but I did finally get the achievement where I was Jason 500 times, and it only took me what two and a half years. So something like that. Dude, people had that like the first like month the game was out. That's yeah. wild. Well, they just yeah. sat there and did it. But like, I I need to do that, but I don't won't probably. I tell you how to do it for you. All right, let's do it. You always say that, but you I never... literally said pick a day. We'll do it like on a Saturday, and we'll like play for a long time, and then you never tell me. And you're like, oh, you you want to do it all day? We could do if we do like 20 matches each a day. We'll have it done in less than a month. That's a lot. That's 40 matches, but it goes quick. I told you that, and you still don't say anything, so. Sorry. Joke's on you. Lover. Um, but yeah, we saw Mike twice since our la- since our last recording. We saw Mike twice. Love it, Mike. Um, Thanks for visiting, Saw him Mike. for Hell in the Cell. Oh, no, wait. It wasn't Hell in the Cell. Class of Champs. <laughs> there was no Hell in the Cell. Uh, and yeah, there's not much else. American Horror Story, but I guess we'll save that for next time. My bad, and I don't know if Rob was into American Horror Story. First couple seasons, I wasn't. I fell off. I uh, like after Freak Show, I was yeah. like, "This is kind of terrible." Pretty and much. I saw like most of the hotel, and I said, I just "Like Coven and stuff like that." I wasn't into. I liked Coven. I liked Coven. The last that's the it last full that's the last full season I watched was Coven. Yeah, or I Coven know. is it Coven or Coven? Coven. I just feel like American Horror Story. Like it always has like it's always good in the beginning, like each season, except for Freak Show. That was just terrible the whole time. But then somewhere along the line, it hits a point where like. There's a twist and shit turns and like it just goes downhill. Like you're like, what the fuck am I watching? So M Night Shyamalan made it. It's not good though. He's usually good with that kind of stuff. Yeah, not always. Have you seen the last Airbender? Yeah, she no, village. I haven't, but I downloaded it. You should probably watch it. I want to. I've been wanting to. I played the game. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for me. I guess I'm excited to see Adam Hunter later on in October. Yeah, it's a couple weeks. Yep. Paul's wedding. Fuck Paul's wedding. Yeah, don't want to go. Holy sure. But we'll go. And uh, yeah, so I guess we'll move on into uh, the top three this week. And the top three is going to be movies that involve bugs, whether they are a tool used in the movie or they are the actual quote unquote villain or bad guy protagonist. No, what's the antagonist, right? That's the bad thing. Protagonist is usually the hero, antagonist is the villain. They just said antagonist. But yeah, so we'll do top three with that. You want to go first, Mark, since no, you, you fucking go. hated this one? I did hate this one. I don't endorse this at all. Um, but you can go first, Kyle. Let's see what okay. you got to offer. So my number three is The Mummy. The that's Brendan good. Fraser. That's good. Brendan Fraser. One. That's a good one. And the reason is the I didn't s- even think of it like that. The scarabs. The scarabs. Oh. When they go in the skin. Oh, that's fucking good. used to kill me when I was a kid. No, yeah. yeah. So I didn't even think of it like that. So what do you mean? 
Don't worry. Well, that's not my fault. I've tried to put it as clear sorry as I Sorry at fucking could. 3 o'clock when we record at 4. You said, let's do this. <laughs> well, I'm sorry that sorry. fucking... You're like, canon? let's talk about something else horror. Nobody gave any fucking suggestion. And you said last night I, you're going to think of something. And I did. And then you right away said no, and then had no other like contribution. You can't just say no and then not contribute. I did make a half-ass suggestion. And we'll use that next time. Okay. That's not half-assed. Good. That's a good one. Oh, okay. Thank you. So go ahead, Mark. Since we go clockwise... So my number three is also the Mummy. No, it's not. You fucking liar. <laughs> you just uh, didn't even I think of it. I actually haven't seen that movie fully. Um, You've never seen the Mummy with Brendan Fraser. No, not fully through. I've seen that's it, one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah, I've seen it. Uh, my number three is not a horror movie. It's uh, Joe's Apartment from 1996 with Jerry O'Connell. What is he living with roaches? No, that's what I'm talking. No, about. I have no <laughs> idea. You know Jerry O'Connell just had his own talk show. Do you deadass don't know what I'm talking about? No, I have no idea. Did, like roaches live in his apartment they talk but now that you say that i i'll bring it up later bring it up now say what you guys say creep show i didn't even think about that fuck i didn't think of that either damn it's not on my list but <laughs> rob what's your number fuck, three there's a whole section just about fucking bugs dang you wild uh so i thought i thought of it like the way i thought of it. joe's apartment with the fucking cockroaches are talking <laughs> What the fuck? Like, they, they have to interact with people? Yeah, that's like, what I thought you meant. What the fuck? <laughs> not talk to them, but, like, you know what I mean. All right, but... What, what is your next one, Family Guy? I'm going to cut you so bad. <laughs> I'm going to cut you. <laughs> no, the next two are hard. Don't worry. All right, oh, Rob. that made me laugh way too yeah. much. That was good. Um, oh, man. My number three was really hard for me to kind of s- split between, but I landed on Mimic from 1997. Dude, I fucking love that Mimic. movie. Fucking sucks. Okay. Are you out of your mind? Mimic one, two, and three are good. I don't care Wait, what. There's that many. Of them. I thought there was only yeah. one. Or two. They probably came out like a year apart. I remember we used to rent them from Blockbuster. It's a good movie. It's fucking good. I don't know why you think it's not good. No, no, I rented it from um, Pathmark and the VHS in like 1998. It's probably why it was VHS. Well, I watched it on VHS too, but. That was back in Blockbuster days. Yeah, I don't know. There's just something creepy about, like, bugs that could disguise themselves, like, use, like, our features to... I don't know. It was just... That movie was wild, and then the whole little kid with the spoon stuff, and the creatures being down in the subway, and hunting you in the dark. Oh, man. I just remember that movie. It got me when I was a kid. It spooked me. So... You can't say that. We already said that. You can't say that. <laughs> did, you, did you see all three of them? Yes. Oh, my God. And I like how... In the series, they progressively get more more like human looking. Yes, yeah, that's pretty cool. Like they get more advanced. It's fucking good. I thought about putting that on my list. I'm not gonna lie. That was one of the things I. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it honorable mention. It beat out Eight Legged Freaks. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking that's about? A good movie, David Arquette. Come on. That's not probably not a good movie. That movie is not a good. Have movie. you not seen the movie? That's not a good movie. It's a good movie. No, it's not. It's a good bad movie. I guess. All right. So my number two is Silence of the Lambs. I didn't even think of that. Damn. I can't change my list, though. <laughs> <laughs> because the whole, like, you know... Moth. Moth in the mouth. And yeah, there's no lambs, though. They had one star. Yeah, that's only that's the reason it's only number two, because it was really misleading, because there was no lambs. Would the Mothman prophecies have counted on this one? I don't even know what that is. Dude, Richard, Richard Gere, man. Richard Gere, yeah. West Virginia. And uh, Julianne Moore. Right? No? Yeah, I've seen it. Never heard of him. Anything you gotta say about that movie? Anything? No, there's, it's cool how they used the moth to figure shit out. Yeah. I still don't understand why. Maybe I have to read the book to understand more. But like, why Buffalo Bill had anything to do with moths, I don't understand. But yeah. when he just has his fucking the coat open and says, "Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me," or his robe, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. One of the best things ever. 
So my number two is Eight Legged Freaks from 2002 with David Arquette. Really? 100%. (laughs) That movie's good, dog. (laughs) I hate spiders, but that movie's sick. (laughs) Dude, I used to watch that movie all the time. That motherfucker got that spider on his head. David Arquette's the only good part of it. Have you ever seen it? Not the whole thing, like in one sitting. Yeah, so you're an asshole. Bro, you just said that about The Mummy. Yeah, I've seen it. The girl's in it, Rachel Wise, I think. Yeah, who's she married to? Me? I don't know. Daniel Craig. Really? Fuck, fuck Daniel Craig. That guy's a pussy yeah. too. Right. That's James Bond. Anything else you want to say about it? like freaks or? Yeah, like, you really never seen that movie's good. Not, not all one sitting. It's not, good. The jumping all. spiders. It's great. It's a good movie. It's okay. It's good. I think David Arquette's the only good part of it. Yeah. What's your number two or two, three, whatever you got? One. Two, Robbie. Two. So my number two is uh, Arachnophobia from 1990. <laughs> What's so funny? I don't understand. Because I knew this was going to happen. What? <laughs> no, go ahead. I was going to pick obvious choices. You, what? Nothing. It's no, what? arachnophobia is not on my list, Mark. Is that what you're going to say? No. Oh. I don't know. That movie's scary. I don't like that. It's, it gets to me. Like, Are you scared of spiders? Um, Spotters. When I was a little Spotter kid, man. yeah. Um, they just, I, you know, no pun intended, it bugged me out. Um but that movie, I remember watching when I was a little kid, and it was bad enough that there was this like just giant, like extra large spider, like oh god, like crazy species from the Amazon, whatever. But like when there was when that scene towards the end of the movie, spoiler alert, uh, skip ahead if you don't want to listen to this. When <laughs> eighty years old, it's a good. I'm just saying, you twenty nine. It's twenty nine years old. Yeah, obviously, I'm joking, but like, um, when they're in the house at the end, when the father's in the house trying to like Jeff get everybody Daniels. out, and is it Jeff? Who is it? Jeff Daniels. Is it Jeff Daniels? Yeah. yeah. And then all the spiders are just like coming out of the walls and out of the rafters and everything, just coating everything. Ugh! It just I don't know. It's a great. I think it's a great movie. Great effects. I get it. Good stuff. Definitely a generic you good dog. I like it. Yeah. How about you, Kyle? So my number one, The Fly, obviously. I, why didn't you pick The Fly, Rob? Well, that was his number two. He could still pick The Fly. Oh, you're right. I thought this is number one. <laughs> nope. It's my number one, The yeah, Fly. Great. We already went through it, so we know why it's a good movie, you know? Yep. So we don't really have to talk much on it. I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't listened to that episode. Go why were you, why are you laughing at my pick? What? Why are you laughing at my because, pick? Because, like, I don't know. Like, literally when I was, like, putting that idea out there, I was, like, thinking, I'm like, I guarantee you people are going to say, like, eight-legged freaks and arachnophobia. <laughs> That's literally what they're through my mind. I bet Go you ahead. can't guess my number one. Go ahead, Mark. My number one is arachnophobia. Is it really? 100%. <laughs> it's a good movie. I don't think it's good. I hate that fucking movie. Then why is it your number one? Because my mom used to watch it when we were kids, and I fucking hated it. <laughs> and so I hate that movie. Why is it your number one, then? <laughs> That's exactly why, because of the nostalgia. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, no. And, uh... Like I like Jeff Daniels and like it's good until like the spiders get in the movie, then it fucking sucks. It's scary. <laughs> the <laughs> movie about the you? spiders is good until the <laughs> movie until the spiders show up. Then it gets scary. Yeah. Are you scared of spiders? Yeah, hundred percent. Are you really? Oh. Yeah, I hate spiders. Uh, wow. So I think I, I don't. I scare. That's scared why you didn't like this pick. No, I just didn't think anything was, of it. He was spooked by it. I guess so. Can we, can we say that? No, we can't say that. All right, Rob. What's your number one? I don't know. Take a guess. The fly too. I'm, hold on. I'm going to think for a second. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, You're saying I'm like, wow, that was kind of obvious. My number one pick is them. Starship Troopers. Them. That's a good one. I would've. Them, what it was up there, but Starship Troopers. 
I love that movie. I don't even know what the fuck that is. I've never seen it. What? I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. I know I know nothing about it. So, Starship Troopers basically is a political satire on on fascism and on extreme ultranationalism, but, Mm -hmm. like, it's done in a pretty comedic way. Uh, The movie deals with alien insects on different planets, and... It's it's very far fetched in the sense that like they can use like bioenergy to like throw well, meteorites towards Earth and basically nuke us. So we're on a crusade to kill them. But it's like it's a story of soldiers and teenagers and stuff like that. It's it's pretty good. I like it. But the cool thing is, I always remembered is that like they do scenes throughout the film, which is supposed to be like nationalistic ads. Like, do your part for the country. And it's got, like, little school kids, like, holding up flags, stomping on cockroaches outside the school. And it's like, be a patriot. Kill the bugs. And I'm like, this is good. This is good satire. I appreciate all of this. But uh, it, uh, it's, it's, it stands out to me as a great film. It definitely degrades as the sequels go on. And it def- I, mean, I, I Okay, I know what Starship Troopers is. I didn't know there's more than one. There's five. Oh, my God. <laughs> The fuck? Um, but Starship Troopers one definitely cla- uh, it classifies as sci-fi horror comedy. Mm-hmm. It definitely does, and most likely at some point I may pick it just because. So hold on to your butts. Um, I actually just changed my mind. My number one is Night of the Creeps. I just thought of it right now. Which insect? The bugs that come out of the slugs that come out of them. We might have to check the dictionary on that one. You know it's true. Slug? Insect? No. Yes. Crustaceans? We'll, we'll see. Crustaceans? They're not crustaceans. They're fucking <laughs> bugs, you pussies. <laughs> Don't crustaceans have, like, hard parts to them? Like shells? Probably. <laughs> so my number one is Night of the Creeps, not arachnophobia. So then where does arachnophobia fall? Uh, two. So I had a top four. So Again. what got bumped off? No, he had a top four. Oh, I had a top four. I'm better than everyone. All right, Eight Legged Freaks is my fourth. Top four. Eight Legged Freaks is My good. fourth is Mimic. There we go. Now we have a top four. This Bingo. Is okay, so four. I need a top five. Now, hold on. No. <laughs> top my four zero pick, my number zero is the fly. All right, so then that's it for the top three. So we'll move on to the main event, Hereditary from 2018. Well, I just realized why it's called Hereditary. I really hope you're joking. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I watch this till like two in the morning. <laughs> there were, there were some like questions I read on the internet about it. What do you mean? Like somebody's like, "Why not Steve?" Yeah, but because it has to be inherited. Yeah, and hereditary. So uh, it was released June eighth, two thousand eighteen. Wow, that was really recently. A little over a year ago. That's yeah. probably our newest movie, honestly. Oh. Um, the Strangers? No, no, that was March 2018. Yeah, so, yeah, this is our newest movie. Um, it was rated R. Has a runtime of two hours and seven minutes. Estimated budget of $10 million, which for this movie, honestly, as big as it is, I'm surprised it's not bigger than that. Yeah, that seems low for that, honestly. Yeah, but it only grossed $79.3 million worldwide. Yeah. And that's kind of weird, too, to me, because I feel like everyone was talking about this. Yeah, um, it was definitely one of those movies that was hyped, but like did not receive well. At the every, I'm not gonna lie; everything I've ever heard anyone say is a good movie. Yeah, I've never like every oh you should watch this, you watch this, you watch this. Yeah, it yeah. had great it had great film festival showings, great critic response, great community response, but it did not have the showing 
at the box office release that it should have. I always like thought this. Was I know why. One of those things where like it's so hyped up, I like I could wait to watch it. That's I think it, I think it came out the same day Incredibles two did, and I could be wrong though. Around the same time. So the same type like the of the pe- kid movie. Yeah, so the same type of people would be seeing it. I have no idea what the fuck you were talking about. I hope you're joking. No, like, <laughs> so you got to think. In 2004, like 10 year olds saw Incredibles or whenever it came out. Now it's 2019. They want to see Incredibles 2. I didn't see either one in theaters Incredibles 2 or Hereditary, and I saw Incredibles in theaters. So I'm saying, yeah, that's why. <laughs> it's math. That. It's math. But it actually, right now, it shares a the same rating as The Lost Boys on IMDb 7.3 out of 10. Well, so are they trying to say this is just as good? Could be. Let's find out. That was a good segue. Best there is, best there was, best there is. So Don't copy me. Best there is, best <laughs> there was, best there ever will be. Thank you. Uh, it was directed by Ari Esther. Yeah. Didn't he also direct Midsummer? Midsommar, yeah. Because you know what's funny about that? Um, just watching this movie, and I didn't really know he directed it. I kind of had a feeling he did, but watching it, I'm like, dude, this looks exactly like the trailer from... For uh, Midsummer, yeah, like yeah. how the acting is in it, it like yep. looks like the trail of it. Yeah. So um, apparently he wrote a bunch of things, and finally he just said like, "Fuck it!" Like I'm sick of other people. Kind of like what Stephen King did with Maximum Overdrive. That movie sucks. Uh, that movie sucks. That's my next pick. <laughs> but he, um, Midsummer. He said like, "I'm sick of people doing my movies. I'm just going to direct." Wait, my what own movies stuff. did he write that people directed though? Do you have I don't a list? Know. Okay. No, I don't have that. But I I don't even know if it was necessarily big movies, but it was just his projects and he's like I'm sick of other people directing stuff mm-hmm. that like he I, al- he's like I might as well just do it myself. He also might have been ghostwriting on projects where he's not even accredited. It could be. I, with horror, that's been a big thing over but the I, years, a lot of ghostwriters. I think he's fairly young though, too. Yeah, he is. But yeah. um apparently so he has this and Midsummer out and then Altogether, he had 10 written before he even... Um, like 10 this. full movies? Yeah. Oh, wow. 10 screenplays before he even directed this. That he So those are 10 that he wants to do in his career. That's crazy. So I'm assuming it's almost going to be like a Quentin Tarantino kind of thing. But it sounds like he's pumping him out quicker than Quentin Tarantino does. Yeah, definitely so. a year apart. Yeah. Um, the So that's... Other, do you know like any... like if Does this share any similarities with Midsummer? Like did you see anything on that? I, so I never watched it, but... Um, like, are they the, in the same universe, I should say? No, you know, so. I don't think so. The thing that I hear a lot is they're not the same kind of movie, but when you watch the trailer, like for both movies, like um, they're both trailers are misleading. Like apparently Midsummer looks like it's going to be a horror movie, and apparently when you watch it, it's really not. Yeah. That's just what I hear, but I don't know what that means. Yeah. I've heard that it's more of a psychological movie. Yeah. So it's on my list of things. And that, so that's the only other big thing he's ever done. But I think that he's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the horror genre, honestly. Yeah, I can see Because not only is this story unique, it's he, like, it's shot very well. Yeah, in my yeah. research, I, I looked over the uh, that he, before he even had the thing fully crafted, ready to go, and began filming, he spent an immense amount of time planning out the cinematography and how certain scenes had to be blocked and everything. He was very, very particular about this. And backgrounds on people. And it shows. Yeah, good. I'm going to say yeah. it shows through yeah. this entire film. And the stuff that he had, like, the actors do. Um, so the first actor we'll talk about is Tony Collette, who was in Little Miss Sunshine, which I've never seen, but that's, I've like, her biggest movie. And I've heard of it. I've just never watched She's it. She's also in um, something I can't remember. Krampus. Yeah, uh, no. Fright Night, 2011. Is she? Yep. She's the mom, I guess. 
I assume so. I don't. I don't remember honestly. No, there's something recently she was in. I thought, mm, like another movie. Yeah, recently it just came out. Probably. I if you look at her IMDb, she like would make like one or two movies a year, and then the last like, two or three years, it's been so many fucking movies she's in. Like I think she got to a certain point in her career where people are like, okay, like she, she, we realize she's a good actress and we want her, and people are just booking her left and right, and like she's fucking dude, she's probably getting fucking paid right now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, like the amount of projects she's in. Um, then we have Gabriel Byrne. Byrne, she was also Byrne. in Hitchcock. Yes, she was. But the thing is, so I looked into that, and I don't know who she played. Um, Knives was, Out. She's in, she's in, or gonna be in. I don't know if it came out yet. Now, that, I don't think it did. Yeah, that's like that Chris Evans, Jamie Lee Curtis one, like the murder mystery one. I have no idea. You never seen? Do you see anything about that? Oh. I'll look into it's it. It's like though. a it's a mystery murder film. Um, but Gabriel Byron Byrne, something like that. He was uh, known for Vampire Academy, Ghost Ship, hell yeah, Ghost X Ship, uh, End of Days, Stigmata, it's Gothic, Stigmata, really? Yes, dude, this guy's all in the same movies. This is wild. I the- now I remember like thinking about it, like. He looked familiar to me, and then I'm thinking, and now you said Ghost Ship, and I'm like, oh shit, he's the yeah. dude in Ghost Ship. And the man in the iron mask, he's in. Dude, that's why I watched yeah. that, I watched that movie when I was a kid. Leo. Yeah. Uh, How did he get in there? And the other, Leo. the only other really, like, big actors, or quote-unquote big, like, that actually you would recognize is Alex Wolf, and he was in Jumanji. Did you see the remake yeah, of Jumanji? Good. Did it's you really see cool. the remake? That is him! I knew it, too! Yeah. I was watching this, I said, dude, this motherfucker looked real familiar. Yeah. From and then also it was like two in the morning when I was watching this, and I had one eye open, and it was real scared because it was dark. Uh, and my friend Dahmer, did you see? that No, yet? I didn't watch it yet. Did you ever? Oh yeah, like that's when I see him. That's what I keep thinking of. Honestly, yeah. my friend Dahmer and the Naked Brothers Band. It was him and his brother. That's the Naked Brother Band guy. Yeah. Oh him my Him and his God. brother, like yeah, from Naked Brother Band. That's wild. Never knew that. And him and Gabriel. Our um, boyfriends? No, they. Gabriel played his dad in something else before, and they like joked around and said like, "Yeah, every six years we're just gonna do a movie where like I play your dad." That's or wild. Like that. Six or ten years or something like that. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, Ari Esther had like uh, Alex Wolf and fuck, I forgot the girl who plays Charlie. I forget her name because she's not in anything else. This is like her only movie. Yeah. But they had he had them go out to like eat and stuff like that and like shop for things. Like um, Alex Wolf had to buy her a jacket, and he had like. In character, though, and he had to get her to like, he had to figure out what kind of jacket she would want, like, in character, like, to try to get them ready for this world, like, movie. That's wild. It's, yeah, so he did a lot of preparation. Yeah. And, um, oh, yeah, that's what, so her name's Millie Shapiro. That's what it is. But he had them go Wait, out Millie to, Shapiro? I know someone named Shapiro. Ben Shapiro? I wonder if that's his daughter. I don't think so. Yeah, you're probably right. But he had them go out to eat uh, in character a few times, and they would sit for up to three hours in silence while Millie wouldn't speak, and, like, Alex would just try to get her to talk. In character. That's why. That's fucking weird. That's cool. Um, Ari Esther also wanted, like, any effect that could be done practically to be done that way instead of, like, post-production kind of shit. And I think for that, this movie benefits a lot. Very much so. They didn't rely on CGI. Yeah, in a movie industry, especially as the paranormal industry has gone on that relies on cheap psychedelic effects and, like, CGI effects, to see practical sets... um, and practical effects put into place definitely was a light at the end of the tunnel for me for this film. I was very happy to see that. 
Yeah, well, and Rob Zombie was just on um, Joe Rogan's podcast, and he, they asked him, well, Joe Rogan asked him about, like, uh, CGI and stuff like that and how he feels about it. And Rob Zombie kind of got it right. Like, it used to be a tool for people to use, and now it's, like, a crutch. Like, so many people are like, oh, we could do this sick kill with, like, this CGI. And, like, it shouldn't be done like that because it doesn't hold up. No matter how good it looks now, it'll never hold up. No. And the kills in this will hold up. Yeah, even though there's not many. Yes. Yeah. Um, the film was apparently only shot in 32 days, which that's pretty fucking fast. But I guess but with all that prep work. But honestly, like a lot of the movie takes place at the house. And it's and long shots. It's long shots. And so it, I, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. So thinking about it now, I guess you're right. One of the other cool things that I researched about the set is mm-hmm. that they built the whole house as a set. They had, yeah, they yeah. had to have just with, with so But right. like some walls never existed and some were wide open. So. That's how they could get certain shots where the cameras move between rooms and they could get yeah. certain angles. And like that dollhouse zoom in, they like it was like a weird composite shot that they used, but that room was actually like that. Yeah. In this it was just wild how much dedication they put to building the practical sets and making all this work, all for the sake of this beautiful cinematography that we get. And I wanna say they also like um they they made it so certain walls could be taken down or put back up. Mm-hmm. Yes. To yeah, do those definitely, kind of things. Definitely. Yeah. And that's why I thought watching this because we'll see that Annie works on like dollhouses or dioramas and the house looks like a fucking diorama the whole time. It does. And it's all, I don't know, how this all looks is like cool as fuck. But um, if anybody else has any other facts they want to contribute, they could do that now or... All right, then we'll just get right into the movie. Um, so the movie starts out with, uh, well, fuck, what are those called? A, um, dollhouse obituary, obituary. Yep, You're right. An obituary. And there's, obituary. there's no way you can read that unless you pause it. And I didn't read it. I read it, but it didn't like nothing stood out of it. Yeah. It was just like a simple obituary. There's nothing, but like it was eerie, I guess. It had a nice, it had a nice eerie vibe to it. Um, but then it goes to, um, a shot of, a treehouse, and then it pans over to a dollhouse, and the dollhouse, as they zoom in, becomes like the real house, like Rob was saying earlier, yes. how they do that. Um, it's a sick transition. Yeah, and it starts with Peter, who's awoken by his dad, Steve, who gives him like his suit and asks if his sister slept in her room, um, and then he finds Charlie, his daughter, a girl named Charlie. I know, I know, a girl named Charlie. She was dating someone named Charlie, too. That's fucking weird. But that's like Austin, who dates Austin. Is marrying Austin. Well, they're engaged. Can't really, you know. Till that, you know. Shout out to Austin. <laughs> if he listens to this. Um, but. Uh, so, yeah. So, it, she's sleeping in, like, the treehouse. Yeah, her treehouse. So, it seems like, and also in the scene, there, everyone's late. They're going to a funeral. Right. And everyone's late and. They have no communication skills. <laughs> yeah, family definitely seems disconnected right from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. and there's seems, definitely some of it. He seems a bit annoyed too with Charlie because it's very cold. It's, there. Yeah, it's cold outside, but she's sleeping in her uh, treehouse, and he, he doesn't want her to get like sick. Ammonia. Uh, and then the Graham family. So that's her last name, Graham. I think you said the Grand family, like the no. Grand Old family. Yeah, like I'm like, wait, what? Grand Old flag. <laughs> uh, the Graham family <laughs> attends the funeral of Ellie. Who's Annie's mother? Um, Annie's the mother here. Yes, the family. Is it Ellie or Ellen? Ellen. Well, it says Ellie 
in the beginning. Does it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Because her name might be Ellen, like in the obituary, but her, her, people know her as Ellie. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, um, and Annie gives a eulogy, like talking in front of everyone while <laughs> Charlie's in the crowd. Just drawing a picture. Drawing and making clicking noises. And uh, Charlie pulls out a candy bar and eats it while she watches like other people interact with her grandma. When this happened, I literally laughed out loud because she she was just standing there and then just pulled the chocolate bar out of her pocket. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like it's something that was so out of the ordinary, but I understand why they did it. And then Steve asks, is there any nuts in that? Yeah. Better not be any nuts in that. And then they go over to Annie and Annie says the same shit. Because Annie's Annie's like, we don't got the EpiPen. And did you notice that one person like wiped Something on the the lip. Yeah, I don't. I didn't know. I don't know who that is. I don't know if some type of oils, like anointing, or or I didn't know. It was essential oils. Maybe she bought it on Facebook. I mean, oh, I don't mean anointing. I mean, like, is that something religious that people do, or no? But I mean, with this film, you never know. Well, yeah, generally, generally, you know, you don't fuck touch a dead body in a casket. You know, in Christian rituals and stuff, like you would anoint with the oils upon the forehead. So I don't know if they're going for some vibe because of what goes on in this movie for an anointing of the mouth. But what I notice is like when Charlie's standing over the casket looking, she looks back. I think it's her looks back. And then there's that one dude just smiling at her, like looking at her funny. I was like, that guy's a rapist. I think that guy's in Fight Club. I thought that was Gary Busey. You're not supposed to talk about Fight Club. Yeah, you're right. They look like Gary Busey's son. But I'm pretty sure he's in Fight Club. Um, So then after the funeral, they go back to the house and Annie is painting the... I guess miniature figures, whatever you would call those things. Dioramas. The dioramas, the diarrhea. Dioramas. And I don't remember what kind of figures they are. It's for, it's, because there's so many different throughout the scene, I can't remember off the top of my head which which ones these were specifically. So I think this is when she was working on the hospice one and she was working on the preschool. And I was like, okay, well, that's an interesting. Right away, you learn that she works on some rather unconventional dioramas. And this is when. Uh, I believe Steve comes in and is like, oh, you, you know, when are we expecting to show them? And I guess, you know, you kind of get the sense that she creates these as a profession for a living yeah. and disp- puts them on display and there's a show upcoming. Yeah. Yeah. And then Steve goes to over to like uh, Peter and he's like getting ready for bed. And and then he then it cuts to, I think, Annie or yeah. going to Charlie and like they're having some. Um, dialogue and Charlie basically says like who's going to take care of me when when um, you die or something like that or now who's going to take care of me now since grandma died because I guess this is when you find out that the grandma Ellen took care of Charlie and that was like hers and she's like oh you know she was your, you were her favorite and yeah and she even says like uh, like I had Peter and I gave you to her Right, and like she said, she was like, "Oh yeah, she was so weird about feeding you." Yeah. Uh, so she makes a comment. Right, I'm like, "Is she talking about breastfeeding her?" Like, I was confused about that. That's what I thought, but then they show a picture a little bit later. Where yeah, and um, as she's trying to comfort her, she's telling Charlie, "Like, hey, you know, if you want to cry, it's okay. It might be a relief. You know, you never cried as a baby. You even know, when you, she came out of the womb. even when you came out of the womb, you never That's cried." Me. And as she's cuddling her, Charlie's just stone emotionless lying on her side and Annie looks up and she sees on the wall written on the wallpaper uh by the bed the word I I couldn't tell it was Satoni Satoni right I thought it said stationary (laughs) but she sees Satoni written on the wall and the 
scene then cuts. Uh, well, Charlie also mentions how grandma, uh, her grandma always wanted her to be a boy. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's a, I forgot yeah. to put that down. It's true. She does say that. She goes, I was supposed to be a boy. She said she wanted her to be a boy. Or she wanted her to be a boy. Charles. Yeah. Yeah. And then Andy goes back to her workshop and she starts looking through some boxes of like books and photo albums that belong to her mother. And she comes across a letter that her um, mother, I guess, left for her. And it's in a book. And it reads, my darling, dear, beautiful Annie, forgive me for all the things I could not tell you. Please don't hate me and try not to despair your losses. You will see in the end that they are they were worth it. Our sacrifice will pay on next to the rewards. Love, Mommy. And then this kind of like flusters Annie. So she puts the letter back in the box and closes it up, walks away. And then before she leaves the room, she shuts off the light. And she thinks she sees what I think is supposed to be her mom in the yeah. corner of the room. Wait, was she in there? It's a good transition from the light flick to the disappearance of the apparition like it's so like it's good it's good yeah. i like it so she wasn't there she wasn't there i don't know i try to pause it and like figure it out if she was there in the corner but she, i couldn't i definitely saw her there yeah there's definitely somebody there it's hard to see because of the darkness but you're supposed to get the idea when she flips on the light she's just kind of seeing things because her mom just died and then that's when she walks over and turns the um the diorama yeah the diorama of the hospice care around around yeah and uh, then at school, Charlie's make, making one of her homemade toys that she makes apparently. And when her teacher says she should be taking the quiz instead, a bird hits the classroom window and, like, I guess falls to the ground. I don't know. And kind of all the class is like, oh my God, holy shit. Was she supposed to be like 13, I think they said? Yeah, 13. It's hard to really tell, honestly. Um, Peter's in his class not paying attention and he gets called on by the teacher to answer like a question but when he can't answer his crush Bridget turns around and looks at him and it's I can't tell if it's like in a disapproving way Mm -hmm. or if she just turned around to be like hell yeah you're a cool guy yeah we also got the text message to get high good foreshadowing here though they're going over the tale of uh, Heracles Hercules and uh, I liked the answer that one student gave and to me it felt like Almost like a kind of a callback to Halloween, and it like, was a ho- callback to ha- literally. I think what was written on the chalkboard was the same thing written in Halloween. I'm yeah, sure. it was definitely. And so, the one student was trying to answer, like, why was the tale of Hercules tragic? And the quote that the student used was that he and his family were pawns in a terrible, hopeless machine. And we'll see later on how that very, very well foreshadows the nature of this film. So outside, Charlie finds the dead bird that hit the window and is cutting its head off. With While fucking, eating chocolate still. Yeah, a pair of scissors that she got. That was wild. Class. Just watching that, like how she just calmly and slowly just snipped it. And that, that was, ugh. And then she turns around to see a woman across the street who's just looking at her. And I guess she's like saying something, but you can't really make out what yeah. the fuck she's saying. Um, so then Steve comes home. So Annie stops like working on her dioramas in the workshop and when she goes to meet Steve, she sees that the door to her mother's room is open. Um, and you see a triangle that's almost branded into the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she asks Steve if he went into her mom's room. And after he says no, they go back and lock the door together. Peter approaches them with the phone saying it's the cemetery. So Steve starts talking to them. And they tell Steve that, that um, the grave has been desecrated. And then when Andy Annie walks up to like ask what it was about, he lies saying that it was just some billing crap. Mm-hmm. Um, and Annie says that she's going to see a movie. 
But really, she goes to a grief counseling group, I guess at a high school or something like that. Which I went to one of those once and it was terrible. I could only imagine. Well, especially, well, the thing I went to, I did in high school when my mom passed away. And like everyone had to share a story and they like came in like, I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> like, this is terrible. Yeah. Well, that's why in this scene, they also say like, oh, any first timers like want to talk? Or second timers, because like sometimes people probably don't talk on their first time. Yeah. So, and Annie um, is giving the whole story about her whole family, like how um, her mom just passed away, I guess, last week, and how they weren't really, um, they were estranged from each other. And then how her husband starved himself to death, I think. Well, first she says her mother had DID, DID, and, and dementia. Yes. The idea is basically like dissociative identity disorder. Yeah, like schizophrenia, schizophrenic uh-huh. or multiple personality, whatever it's called. Yeah, it's it's in that bracket of of multiple personalities, but it's it's slightly different though. Yeah, it yeah. is. Um, and then she, yeah, she says how her father died of starvation because he had he a went psychotic break. Yeah, and he went crazy and I guess wouldn't eat or whatever. And I think she also said he was depressive, psychotic mm-hmm. depressive yeah. disorder. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like she says also like. The brother or someone died? Yeah, she said yeah. her brother hung himself at 16, claiming his mother put people inside of him. And that he had schizophrenia. Yeah. Um, she also says that her husband enforced a no-contact rule with her mother, which they broke when Charlie was born. Uh, and she like didn't let her mother near Peter when he was born, though. Uh, and then she says like she feels like everyone in her family blames her for everything. Not necessarily that there's anything to blame her for, but she just feels blamed. Yeah. Uh, so then Peter's at home smoking. Fucking loser. The high guy. And he gets a text from his friend about a party at Aaron's and tells him to bring his dick. <laughs> what <laughs> that, the fuck? That makes me so happy. What? I don't know. What's weird about this movie is it jumps from like day to night so often. It does it a lot. And like he gets this text and I feel like the party's supposed to be happening now. Yeah, I don't know when it's... And it's night. But then they cut to Charlie's room. Where she's like making her toys out of scrap parts and she sees a light flashing around and it's daytime again. Yeah. So she uh, sees lights flashing around her room and she like follows it outside holding the head of the pigeon as she walks. But at the same time, Annie gets a text from a client wanting to see her diorama for the gallery. Some kind of gallery. That's yeah, art gallery. Some yeah. Kind. yeah. Um, and as she's setting everything up, Peter comes in and asks to borrow one of the cars to go to the party. Then Annie asks if he's drinking and if he's bringing a sister. And Peter says he'll see if she wants to go, but he's not going to be drinking. Uh, he goes to her room, but like to see if she wants to go, but she's not there. So then, which like that, that's why it's so weird because he's smoking and oh, and I forgot to mention when he's smoking and like he blows the smoke out the window, you see so you smoke from the other side. Yeah, there's like some, someone's looks, breath. Yeah, someone's breath. Like somebody's standing there watching him. And this film is actually originally supposed to be filmed in the wintertime. But due to availability, the, the whole Ari Aster originally pictured this in a winter village almost with yeah. like a mountain deep peak. And then the availability cast kind of forced them to film in the springtime. And then he like doubled down was like, well, if we're going to film in the spring, then we're committing to all the colors and all the beauty of nature and using that as imagery. So uh, that's why like I saw the breath and I was like, oh, is it cold out? So maybe it's transitioning of the seasons. Yeah. And they it's also in Utah. Like this takes place in yeah. Utah. So I mean, I'm assuming it's up in the rural mountainous areas. So yeah, because in a later scene, we see it's anyway. definitely a long way between people's homes and yeah. where they got to be. 
so then outside, Charlie is walking, and she sees like a small fire in the grass, and an older woman is sitting in front of it with her back facing Charlie. And as Charlie like stares, uh, she starts to click, mm-hmm. doing that clicking shit. And uh, Annie runs up to her. Uh, Annie starts pulling her towards the house, like scolding her. So does Annie not see the the fire going on then? I don't think so. Yeah, I didn't know that either. That's so. Some of this in this movie, some of it, it's hard to tell what's real and what's not. Yeah, but I think everything is real. I don't know. At the end, I'll wrap back to what I. Yeah, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. Um, but so. And he's like scolding her for being barefoot. And then Charlie says uh, she wants grandma. And Annie like gets Charlie inside finally and tells her that she's going to a party because it'll be good to be around other kids. And Charlie reluctantly agrees. And she and Peter drive to the party in silence. The only sound being the clicking by Charlie. And then as they drive, they pass the telephone pole that has the same symbol on it that was on a necklace that their grandmother wore in the casket. Mm-hmm. That also Annie wears. Does she actually? I, I, she has the same necklace. Yeah, oh, same I necklace. know she says that later, but I honestly never even noticed it. So yeah. Um, and then at the party, kids are like hanging out, drinking, cutting up some walnuts, you know, the huge. And uh, <laughs> Peter, <laughs> Peter spots Bridget, and he approaches her, and he's like really fucking awkward, asking like uh, how the party is, and she's like, "Why? You wonder if you should come." He's like, "Yeah." Like that's fucking awkward. Want to smoke some weed? He's like, I got some really yeah. good weed. Do you smoke? I got some really good weed. So then she's like, take him into another room where there's a bong, and he asks Charlie to stay behind. But then he has to like convince her by telling her, like, hey, there's chocolate cake over there. They're giving it out to everyone. Make sure you get it before it runs out. She's like, not everyone. How do you know it's for everyone? He's like, look, it's a party. Everyone's going to get it. Go get some. So he goes into the other room, and he finds like a bunch of guys just standing there. They're sitting there, and they begin to smoke. Sausage party. Smoke their marijuanas uh, while Charlie eats cake. And she begins to, like, wheeze as she's making, like, one of her toys in the fucking corner or whatever. I don't know what the fuck she's doing. Uh, And she tries to drink some water. So she goes into the room to tell Peter, like, it's getting hard to breathe. And he carries her out to the car, and they speed off, racing to the hospital. And... They drive down the rural roads as Charlie's throat is like closing and she's struggling to breathe. So she opens up a window to stick her head out to try to get some air. And Peter looks back at Charlie at like to see if she's okay. And then back at the road where there's roadkill. So he swerves out of the way. And her fucking head hits a telephone pole oh my God. that they're passing by and decapitates her. Did not see that coming. Yeah, did not see no. that coming either, 100%. Yeah. Like, what was your general reaction the second you saw that? Um... It makes sense, because the thing that thing what that do you people, mean it makes sense? the thing that people told me about this movie is, you think it's about that girl, but it's not. Yeah, so I thought the movie was about that girl, and then when that happened, I said, "Wait, what?" And that yeah. they did that on purpose. That's I, why the trailer literally has like a like all, all her, her, yeah, because yeah. she looks kind of weird. Sorry, Millie Shapiro, if you look weird, sorry. Yeah, no, I mean it's sorry if you look weird. You she look is weird. weird. So. I, you're supposed to think like it's all about her, this weird-looking girl, and then this happens. Yeah, it subverted the tip, the typical like creepy possessiony child like right. trope very well. Yeah, very good subversion. So Peter like sits quietly in the stop car in shock, and this is a very long and drawn out yeah, couple of scenes. One hundred percent. And after like a minute or two, he begins to drive slowly and goes home, where he gets out of the car, goes straight to his room, and lays in bed without saying a word. 
And then in the morning, you hear Annie telling Steve that she's going out for something. And she gets in the car and starts screaming when she finds Charlie's body. And we get a shot of Charlie's head on the road, like, covered in ants. Can we just talk about how her Annie screams are the most, like, gut-wrenching screams I've ever heard in a film ever? Yes. And, like, the next scene that shows her in the bedroom, like, on her knees, wailing, just dis- just thoroughly disturbed me. Yeah, and the way they did that where went from the moment she starts screaming when she finds her in the car, it's the same bunch of screams that goes into... Like, it all blends into her screaming in her room. And it's fucking disheartening. Like, I don't know. It's fucking... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uncomforting, I guess? The way she's... Unnerving? Yeah. Maybe yeah, that's it, what it it's is. It's very realistic. Like, yeah. you really believe that this is a mother who just discovered the body of her little child. Yeah. Like, it is very... It, like I said, there are... There are plenty of screams out there, but that was that was blood curdling. Yeah. Like and that got under the skin. For that they did good casting. Yes. Um Steve tries to like console her as she's screaming, but she's just saying that it hurts too much and she wants to die. And the whole time Peter's standing outside, like listening. Like outside the bedroom, he's listening. Um and it cuts to the funeral where Annie's not attending. I don't want to say after party, but I don't know what the fuck it's called when somebody right, dies. But, but like, Repass? even when oh, they, so like, when they cut, the, I've been to so many funerals and all after party. This That's is what why, I start calling it. That's what mine's going to be. This is one of the reasons why I also highlight the cinematography. And I liked how you mentioned how they cut with the wailing. The wailing cut from outdoors to the car to the bedroom, and then they cut to the funeral scene for Charlie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the, st- like you said, the same scream cutting through but i love how as they're lowering charlie's casket the camera goes down with it below the ground Mm -hmm. and then lets it dark fade transition right to that like nice transition it's you could have spent so much longer and done this more art maybe like focus more on the funeral but just the way they did it made you feel so uncomfortable and honestly kind of broke your heart for this family so steve goes up to like uh see annie and she isn't there, but we get a shot of the word Zazas. I think that's how it's pronounced. Yes. Um, which I don't know if we should get into what these words mean now or later. Probably later. Okay. But also while this is happening, when she's screaming and stuff, we're still on that real quick, in the yep. funeral, where's the fucking scene where they go to Peter and play bro? What the fuck did you do last night? They don't. That's the point. That's what I'm saying. But like, that's what I'm waiting for. Like going up there, like, bro, you dumbass motherfucker. Yeah. Why does your sister have no head? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the only thing that, like, you know, like, most movies would have, like, this is the trope part where they would get the police inspector involved and there would be an investigation. But they totally just forego that. And yeah, you, They yeah, just expect sure. you to just accept that Charlie must have told the police, like, hey, this is what happened. Peter? Sorry, yeah, Peter told the police that this <laughs> is what happened. I think Charlie's talking to anybody right Check now. Out head. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie's like, hey, man, I just decided to go for a roll. Yeah, so there's no, I don't know. I, that's the only thing that confused me where there's no they didn't go to him and be like what's going on I yeah. guess but they they do say later that they know it was an accident so I guess they had to talk they just didn't feel like it was necessary that, and, and, and that's what it is Ari Aster took a risk here of saying I'm gonna forgo this plot section not plot point because it does stay as a point right I, I, I'm gonna forgo hand feeding this to you and just give you a drop later to understand that I did this but yeah I was kind of this whole time I'm watching I'm like why is Peter not handcuffs why yeah. is nobody arresting his ass? Like, he didn't do anything. Yeah, but I mean, like, you'd expect there to be cops and an investigation stuck and stuff. stuck her fucking head out of a window. That's why you don't do that. I've known that since I was a little kid. You don't stick anything out the window. 
Yeah, you're right. Uh, so as Peter gets in bed and lies down, he sees a red light come from Charlie's treehouse, which is actually the like uh, portable heaters slash space heaters, whatever you want to call them, uh, that Annie plugs in while she's laying up there. And all the while, Steve looks through Charlie's drawings, which include a pigeon head with like a crown on it. Um, in class, Peter starts to hallucinate and sees, or he looks into a car rearview mirror <laughs> that's, just, I guess, floating there. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't see anyone. I guess, like a callback to the night where yeah. Charlie died. See, I thought he saw Charlie's corpse back there. I think it was an empty seat. I, I'll rewatch it, but I th- I'm pretty sure it's an empty seat. Um, and then he sees, he catches like Bridget turning around to look at him. And it cuts to him smoking under the bleachers with his friends. And he starts to freak out a little bit, thinking that something's wrong with him. And I don't know if this is, act- if something actually happens or if he's just like. He's man- trying to get his hand held, that thing. So. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say, manifesting something just to like no, he's try ha- to get he's a, having a He's having a severe psychotic uh, anxiety attack, like a massive anxiety attack. That's I, exactly what that is. Uh, he's like, because he, now he links his use of the weed. And his irresponsibility with the death of his sister. That could be it. So he probably was using it and then like just the using it is triggering him to that point where he's having a massive anxiety attack. I could see that. Because he can't catch his breath. He's shaking like he doesn't, you know. Yeah. So he rides his bike home and like is watched by Annie who's in her car while Peter gets off his bike and stands outside the house a moment trying to like gather, almost gather like the courage to go inside before he actually walks in. Um, and he goes back to the place where the grief meetings are held and she starts to drive away. But before she can leave, she's stopped by a lady named Joan who says that she recognized her from last time and asked how she's doing. And Annie tells her that, you know, her daughter died and that she was leaving because she forgot something. But Joan says that, you know, hey, my my son and my grandson, they drowned. And that, you know, these groups she tried to one up her basically. Yeah. Well, these groups don't make things go away, but they do help. They don't necessarily make it easier, but mm-hmm. they help. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gives Annie her number if she ever needs someone to talk to. So Annie gets home, and her and Steve go to bed. And when Steve tries to like reach out to, I don't, he's not trying to be a horny guy, but he's trying to like console her, I guess. Um, she like gets up and to go to the treehouse. Yeah, that she already slept up there one night. Yeah, and Steve tells her like if it gets too cold to just come back in. He's trying to be supporting. Yeah, to, Steve's an all-around nice guy in this movie. Yeah, did you read any backstory on Steve as a character? Not too much. Why? Because oh, he's supposed to be a therapist. Yeah, yeah. You, I think you oh, find out later he okay. is. Yeah, but they don't talk about it as much as they planned on talking about it. But in, I guess earlier drafts, it was written that he was her therapist at one point. Uh, yeah, so some things start to make sense when you like look at it like that, but they didn't want to focus too much on that because they thought it, you would you would focus too much on it, right? But yeah, that's why he's like you know he's that consoling and he's always level headed because that's yeah, his he has, training. He has very rational responses. Yeah. Um. So Peter's like laying in his bed, looking at the red glow from the space heaters in the treehouse, and he hears one of Charlie's clicks. So he looks around and then he hears it again. So he sits up, startled, but he doesn't find anything. Um, in his room, he starts looking around. The next day, mail is sitting in their mail slot to their door, and somebody slides a pamphlet through, offering an open seance. It's a really quick scene. Might not have seen it. Well, this is before, like, um, is this? It's before. Is this after or before when the paint spills when she's painting? It's before. 
Because right after this is when Annie's working on the diorama of Charlie's okay. room. And then she like spills some of the paint. And then as she's wiping it up, she finds Joan's number. Yeah. And also, if you look in the corner, you see that blue light, uh, blue light in the corner, like at the window. I, don't know if I you didn't notice that. Did you notice that? There's like a blue light in the window. Like the one that Charlie saw earlier. Yeah, there's like yeah. in the window. I didn't see it or notice it. Well, that's what happens when you watch it at 2 in the morning. It's pitch black. <laughs> you notice everything. <laughs> I watched it twice. Did you watch it in the pitch black? Yeah. Or you're scared. You had the lights on. You were holding Benny. Benny doesn't lay with me. I wash my sheets, so I'm not letting him on my bed. in my bed for a while. I hate when his hair gets everywhere, man. He's deaf. He's a deaf guy. Shout out to Benny. He can't hear this, but shout out to him. <laughs> Benny, if you're listening, I love you. Uh, she goes to Joan's apartment and notices that the doormat kind of looks like one that her mother used to embroider. And she tells Joan about how she found Charlie's body and she like takes a pill and wipes her mouth to find like a flake of something. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Which I think it's just like an herb like for the tea that they're drinking. And allegedly, if you look earlier when she's looking through like the um, photo albums, mm-hmm. or maybe it's later, um, when you see... Ellen, like, uh, feeding Charlie with, like, a bottle. Apparently, there's flecks in it, and it's supposed to be, like, the same stuff. I did not notice that. I didn't notice it either, but I looked way too hard in this movie. Um, So, Joan asks her about, like, her relationship with Peter, and Annie tells Joan that, like, one time when she was asleep, she was sleepwalking and woke up to find herself, Peter and Charlie, covered in paint thinner, because at the time, Peter and Charlie shared a room, and she was striking a match, and it woke up Peter... And it scared him, and now, like, no one believes that she was just sleepwalking, and they think that Annie tried to kill them. Yeah. So, Peter comes home, and Steve, like, asks him about SATs or getting ready for SATs. Yeah, so did you sign up yet for your, your pre-SATs? He said, no, not yet, but I'll do it tomorrow. He said, you can't forget about that. And Steve tries to be, like, get him back into a routine of, like, being an actual fucking kid. And, yeah. Um, but then when he goes upstairs to get Annie for dinner, he finds her making a diorama of the fucking accident. Telephone pole with the blood splatter. Yeah. And fucking Peter in the car with <laughs> And different prescri- perspective. Yeah, yeah, neutral, yeah, neutral perspective. But I like how Steve is like, what the actual... Like, he even as much as he wants to be rational, he's just like, is this really necessary? Well, he's more scared that... Peter will see it and it'll yeah. freak Peter out. Yeah. And I think this is how she copes with things. Like the way she did the hospice one for her mother. Right. And now she's doing this with but, the accident. But her. Steve definitely wants to is trying to guard Peter. Oh, for sure. He's trying yeah. to be a good dad. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they're at the dinner table, but Annie like isn't eating. So Peter asks if there's something on Annie's mind. This was the first mistake. Yeah. And Dude, this shit gets wild. They start to like bicker, and then Annie freaks out about how no one can uh, take any of the blame and admit for what they've done. And when she f- sits down after her little freak out, Peter brings up... T- he's so calm, and that's how you know you're right, because you're just calm as fuck, and like... <laughs> but he's, he brings up the fact that Charlie didn't even want to go to the party, but Annie made her go. Mm-hmm. Why so, is that, Mom? Why'd you make her go? Yeah. And just like, I love how she just starts to almost snarl, like... Yeah. And Steve is she like... She has built a bridge. Yeah, Steve is like, no. Yeah. Not happening. Steve's like, this stop, like, now. We're stopping right now. And he says, fine. But then she walks away from the table. But the best part is when she's like, when you snare at me with that fucking face on your face. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my her, God, dude. Honestly, like, I her, rant, her rant was so well performed. I think everything, everything she does in this film yeah. is so well it's performed. It's really good. She's a really good actress. And that's why she's getting so many parts. Actor. She's getting paid. <laughs> Actors, is that what you just said? Yeah. Even though we talked about this the other night, you're like, females are actresses and males are actors, Kyle. 
Well, you're not woke, Mark, so I'm the woke one. I know. I'm out there on Twitter. I'm still asleep. Uh, Annie goes out to a store for some supplies, and she sees Joan in the parking lot, and she asks how Joan is, and Joan says that she's really, really good because some people uh, offered to bring her in on a seance, and she was able to contact her grandson. And Annie doesn't want to believe it, but Joan says she knows it sounds crazy, but she wants her to come back to her like apartment to experience it. So they go back to Joan's house where they use an empty glass to communicate with Joan's grandson. Um, and when the glass slides on the table, it kind of startles Annie a little bit. And she's kind of like still okay with it until she feels something touch her hair. Yeah, she's like, yeah. And she's like, okay, can we like not do this anymore? Can we stop? And Joan kind of looks like pissed at first. Like, what? What? Do you, what? This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> What's but, wrong with you? Oh, no, wait. So, no, no. She doesn't stop yet. She's still freaked out. But then yeah. Joan breaks out the fucking chalkboard. She's that's like, let what, me one up this. That's what gets Annie. When fucking chalk starts writing by itself on the chalkboard and says, I love you, grandma. Yeah, that's nice. Cute kid. Yeah. But the thing, because she says too, which is weird, that lady, I don't know what her name is, Joan. She's like, oh, um, my grand, my <laughs> The gran- one we kept saying just Yeah, now? fuck that lady. She's like, my grand said this is his favorite thing. Yeah. But I feel like, if I remember correctly... That she when they she sees her at the supermarket, she's putting it into her trunk like she just bought it. Okay, so that's what I've read, but at the same time, she's so far away because I tried looking the second time through. You can't see what she's putting in her car. Yeah, I don't know, but that's what I've read that she just bought that fucking chalkboard. Yeah, she's smart, but I don't, I don't know, I don't know if it's an editing. But, so up up to this point too, also with me. Um, I had no idea what the fuck was going on and, like, what kind of movie this is supposed to be. So when this was happening, I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. And I think that's one of the good things that Ari Aster did is you don't know what the fuck, like... Until the last... When when Charlie dies, you're like, okay, I don't know what's going on. And from that point until the end, you don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't know what's, like, you're like, am I supposed to be scared here or because this is weird? And from about Charlie until about 20 minutes... Of the end of the film, mm-hmm. and I would say that's a good hour. More than that, yeah. Charlie gets you, killed. You guys like, like thirty minutes. 30, in. Yeah, so that's a good hour, and it's probably yeah a good hour over yeah hour maybe. twenty. Yeah, uh, you are left just building apprehension, suspense, and trying to put pieces together. And what I love is that for the first time in a while, you only know as much as the as as Annie knows. Yeah, and that's. That's the, a great thing about this movie that you are really in the character's shoes and you feel her apprehension and her fear. So Joan gives Annie like the candle that they were using for the seance and uh, the words that she would have to read if she wanted to try it on her own. Yeah. And tells her that everyone in the family needs to be in the house, even her son. Yeah, basically showing her like how to talk to Charlie. Yeah. And before she leaves, Joan tells her that she didn't kill Charlie and that Charlie isn't gone. Yeah. So as she drives home... She hears Charlie click like in the back seat, and it startles her. And she kind of stops the car, like, "What the fuck?" Um, she tries to sleep in bed, but then Annie finds like ants. ants crawling around on her bed, and she so she gets up and she follows them all the way to Peter's room, where she finds Peter covered in ants, and they're like gathering around his face and yeah, mouth. It's wild, yeah. And she opens her mouth to like scream, but is unable to, and it's interrupted by Peter, who's sitting in his bed, asking her what she's doing. And she says she was just sleepwalking again. Uh, she says she's sorry and asks if Charlie's there. And Peter asks why she's so scared of him. I guess 
she, I don't know, he thinks that for some reason Annie's like scared of Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, and Annie says that she never wanted to be his mother. Yeah, it's, she, right away, she's like, did she's not like, mean to say that. Like, I tried to have a miscarriage. Yeah. I did everything they told me not to do. And she said, but her mother pressured her. Um, but Peter asked why she tried to kill him, and she said she didn't. She was just trying to save him. And then she lights a match, and you can see that they're all they're both soaked in something, and they go up in flames. Uh, she wakes up from that dream, realizing that it was just a dream, and she uh, wakes up Peter and Steve, saying she wants to show them something or try something. Uh, she, they go downstairs, and she like begs them to trust her as she shows them something. And then after some convincing, they kind of give in. They start holding hands at the table, and they're in the dark with the candle lit, and she asks Charlie to move the glass if she's there. The glass moves, just like in Joan's house, and Annie asks Charlie to show them what she did earlier. And at this point, Steve's like, absolutely not. He's like, like fuck, for fuck's sake. Yeah. He's like, that's enough. For because, God's sake, get out of this house. Because Peter's like uh, starting to get a little scared. Yeah. And then as they're like arguing about going on a little bit further, they hear glass break. And I don't know if that's supposed to be the glass that was on the table got like thrown or something or if a window broke they never really go also when this scene starts that candle is not on and then it is on like in the dark yeah in the dark it's off and then it's on the candle like so when the glass breaks and then she's like show us something or are they fighting and then the the candle like erupts this is what happens yeah the candle erupts that candle's lit and then before that wasn't lit so i don't know how it I'm going to have to go back and look yeah. at that. I watched it. I said, this, this doesn't make sense. You might be right. When she moves the table, because she's like, well, do it over here then since it's cold. It yeah. might be not lit. Yeah. You might be right. Um, so then the when the candle, re- after the candle erupts, like Mark said, it like relights itself. And Charlie's voice starts to come out of Annie. And Peter gets like really scared. Dude, Peter's a little fucking bitch. This whole movie, I've never met anyone of this bigger bitch. But his crying is real convincing. He's I'd be like, fucking scared too. Okay, you're a bitch too. Dude. Put me out there, dog. Okay. Dana. What are you going to do? I'm like, sw- I would have swung. swung. <laughs> Hit her. <laughs> so Charlie, you, you ain't supposed to have no head. <laughs> uh, so Steve like turns That's on the lights and he splashes Annie with water, bringing her back to her normal self. So there's a shot of the accent diorama and the words Liftoch Pandemonium are written on the wall. Behind it, or not behind it, but like they transition from the the diorama to the like a shot of the wall in yeah. the uh, yeah. workshop. Uh, Peter's in school and he starts to see the light from earlier that Charlie saw, and he starts looking around the room, following it, and then he looks into the I guess there's like a cabinet next to him, and he sees a reflection of himself, but his reflection is smirking at him, like in an evil way, almost like know. an arrogant like "Hello there." Yeah, and he hears Charlie's like click. And he jumps up, and then he asks to use the bathroom. Fun fact: today at work, somebody made that click noise near me. Wasn't that happy about that? <laughs> Literally, wasn't Were you happy scared. I may have peed a little. So Steve calls Annie to tell her that Peter called from school crying, thinking that he's being threatened by a spirit, and he has to protect his son. Yeah, says that he's only worried about protecting his son. Uh, he hangs up on Annie, which makes her fucking irate, and she calls back, <laughs> and she's like, "You do not hang up on me." I am not sleepwalking anymore. And then hangs up on him. I don't understand. <laughs> I'm hanging up you, bitch. <laughs> so uh, she's just sitting in front of like her diorama that she's working on for the client. And she's just stewing. And the phone starts to ring, but she lets it go to the answering machine. And it's the gallery saying that, you know, um, they're offering their support and help. And they said if they have to push off the opening, they can if it'll help her out. 
And as she's listening to the guy leave the message, she's squeezing like a little chair from the diorama until it breaks. And then she just gets so fucking mad, she starts smashing the whole diorama. So Steve comes home asking like what the fuck the smell is, which I don't still don't know what he was smelling. But Well, I think I have a no, I have a feeling. Yeah. We'll find out later in the film. Oh, I didn't I honestly didn't even think of that, to be honest with you. But um so he's like uh Yeah, he sees all the stuff is smashed all over the place, the like dioramas. She went straight Godzilla in that room. <laughs> yeah. Dude Godzuki. And he's like, <laughs> What the hell happened in here? Or something like that. She's like, Yeah, I didn't feel like looking at it anymore. So he goes downstairs and takes a couple pills like of his own. So they're all coping with some kind of yeah. medication. Yeah, Steve's now Steve's now in the rocks. He's having a hard time. Well, I think they all are. Um, so in the night, Annie hears something from down the hall. So she goes to Charlie's room and she sees her little like uh, um, book book. I don't know if it's a notebook or like a drawing pad. Yeah. Or, but it's, she sees it like open and she sees uh, drawings like manifesting themselves on the paper. And it appears to be. Oh, I don't know if you see exactly what it is. Yet. No, I can't oh. tell. So then Peter, who's like sleeping, is woken up by the sound of Charlie clicking again. So he sits up and he sees Charlie standing in the shadows. And when he calls out to her, her head falls off and rolls into the light. But it reveals to just be a ball. Yeah. So their dog, they do show the dog one time earlier, right? Yeah. Yes. And there's this dog's only in this movie twice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because that threw me off. when I The second time I went through it, I said, they, they did show this, right? Like I don't remember the dog being in a lot of the movie. But anyway, so their dog's standing in... Um, Peter's doorway and it's like growling at uh, Peter or something in Peter's room and then while he's distracted Rand's hands reach out from like the head side of from under his bed and pull him down pulling by his head like trying to pull it off as he would say um, and he's awoken by Annie who's standing in his room asking if he's okay and he's like why would you try to pull my head off why would you do that and she's like try to pull your head off I just came into the room I heard you screaming I was trying to save you so then Annie goes back to... Don't tell dad. The drunk... Yeah, she tells... Yeah, don't tell dad because I'm trying <laughs> to take care of this. That's what she says. Um, Annie goes back to the drawing pad and takes it downstairs to the fire to throw it in. And I think when she goes back to the drawing pad, that's where you see it's Peter. A lot of pictures yeah. of Peter. Um, yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of pictures of Peter. Like crying, screaming. And with X's over his eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't look um, good for Peter right now. So when she throws it in the fire, her fucking sleeve catches fire too. And then realizing this, like that they're connected, she takes it out of the fire and stumps it out, which also puts her sleeve out. I love the delayed reaction. Oh, How she's sitting on fire and she looks over, she's like, oh, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't she just like pat her fucking sleeve and try to put it out like That's that? That's what I thought too. Yeah, she took time. She looked at it and she was like, let me look back at that book. Oh, wait, no, it's, my the, arm. it's the book that did this. Let me let me look back at that book. <laughs> mm, I'm going to take that book out the fire. I, so she's Annie, very calm. Annie goes back to Joan's apartment and she bangs on the door and we get a shot of um, a picture of Peter, like a school photo with his eyes poked out and it's in the middle of a triangle branded into the wood table, which is similar to the one in Annie's mother's room. Yeah, it looks like a whole like um, voodoo bullshit. And I to- like the toys that Charlie was making like are scattered about. Yeah, and this um, movie's now, you know, I would think up to this point in the movie, I was like, okay, so... Obviously, it's like a it's like a Charlie Revenge Spirit movie, mm-hmm. and then that happened, and I was like, okay, I still don't know what's happening. This <laughs> is another good. And this turn. is like another good scene too, when she's banging at the door, and when the camera's panning into the apartment, you still see her like banging on the door. Yeah, yeah. And you can see everything in the apartment. They do a good job with this. So yeah, now 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 they've turned the plot again to where I'm 
at this point, I don't know how you guys felt, but at this point, I was like, okay, so now what's happening? Yep, still don't know. Still All right. No I, idea. Then I was like, okay, I guess this is a voodoo movie now. Yeah. <laughs> so she looks down at the doormat again and then has a revelation, and she runs off as we see a camera like across the hall watching her. I don't know if that camera was supposed to be anything important, though. No, I don't know either. But it's not pointing at the door. It's pointing at, like, Joan's door. I don't fucking know. I didn't even notice it till a second time, to be honest with you. Um, so Peter's like outside of school during lunch and he hears someone yelling his name. So he looks up to see Joan standing Dude. across the street saying that she expels him. She's fucking wild. <laughs> yelling other random words and he doesn't know Joan. So he's like looking like, what the yeah. fuck? Another like, day in the neighborhood. Like, Saganary, dog dining. And you're like, what is? And he's looking around. He's like, does anybody else hear this? Yeah. And nobody's paying attention to this fucking lady across the street yelling. Yeah. Um, so Annie gets home and she finds the other doormats that look like the ones that Jones has. And she finds like spell books with uh, parts highlighted about King Payman being transferred like through vulnerable hosts, and he is a male, so it requires a male human body, and the conjurer will receive riches. So she looks through some photo albums, and that's where she finds pictures of her mother with Joan. <gasps> big reveal. Yeah, it is a big reveal. So Peter's walking through the hallways of school, and again sees those lights like going around the hallway. Yeah. Trippy, man. Maybe he's high on the marijuanas again. Uh, Steve is typing like up an email to a fellow psychiatrist. This is where you find out that he's and, a psychiatrist. And also, I feel like in this scene, I don't, I don't know if I... Um, when he, when what's-his-name's walking down the hallway, does Steve work at the school, too? Because he like, pans to the door, and he's in the, that room. No, I think it's just supposed to show that he's going to class. Yeah, but when they open it, it, like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, Steve's walking, and then, like... It goes to the door and then the door opens and it's um, Steve. I think or it's Peter's a, walking. I'm I th- sorry. think it's just a transition. Yeah, it's really good. Like I think it was really yeah, cool they, how they did that. I think he's just a psychiatrist somewhere. I don't yeah. think he mm-hmm. works at the school. So I thought it was like, oh, maybe he work, He's at, at at the school. Well, nowadays kids need him at fucking school. Hell yeah, brother. Um, so he's emailing a fellow psychiatrist about Annie, saying that she's like either about to hit or she's in the middle of like a she's breakdown. About to, yeah. Tamash is about to start. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Open this pit up. Hell yeah. And uh, at the same time, he receives an email about the status of the insurance claim for damages sustained by Ellen Lee's gravesite with pictures attached. So what's weird about this is, are they saying that he's responsible? (laughs) That's what I don't understand. For the money because his... Mother-in-law's grave was desecrated. Yeah, I don't know because it's like fully dug up too. Yeah, like there's there's a. Huge it looks like pile. a professional I, did it. I guess yeah. what they're trying to say Brendan. is like you get insurance on the grave, and so like they're trying to say like, hey, the grave's been desecrated, and uh, we want to make sure that you get your insurance payment for it. So, but what it says is insurance claim for damages sustained by Ellen Lee's gravesite. Okay, so maybe like like. Because someone dug it up, he's responsible. I th- I feel like that's the, the way it's word is so fucking weird. Yeah, but, but I, I, it is dug up. Yeah, that it should. Have, that, that, they got they got the, they use the fucking um what do you call it? excavator? The yeah, the excavator. Yeah. So Andy decides to go into their attic, and when she opens up the door, you see a swarm of flies come down. Jeff Goldblum fl- drops out of the attic, <laughs> and she goes into the attic and finds the body of a headless corpse, presumably her mother's, with a candle lit between its legs. And then Peter's in class. Well, back to the school. Peter's in class, and uh, he keeps hearing the like sound of Charlie clicking. So he, his hand like raises up in some distorted, fucking looking way, and mm. his face like tenses up, almost as if he's having a seizure. Yeah, or like he's having like, like muscle cramps or something. Yeah, and the teacher's like asking if he's okay, and as he, as his teammates or classmates watch, his teammates, yes, 
team. They're on the same team. Man. Squadron. As his <laughs> classmates, is that you're so weird. As his classmates watch, uh, his face slams into the desk twice, and it breaks him from Dude, his trance. This is fucking wild. That first it time, it looked so real. Yeah, like they did a really good job with that. He actually fucked up his nose. Did he? Yeah, because well, he's got a big nose. So he offered to just slam his face into the desk for just for like um like uh, recording sake or mm-hmm. uh, filming sake and Ari Aster was like no don't worry like the, the uh, desk is soft so he's like oh okay so when he slammed his face in he didn't realize it was just a thin layer of soft at the top so he's... and underneath was hard <laughs> Jesus because like, otherwise if it was too soft you wouldn't see his face just squishing down into it you know yeah. Yeah. so he slammed it in breaking his nose like for real wow oh, yeah. I wonder if that's so Dude, when you look at him, so that first slam he does down, he puts his face on there, he holds it, but like that second slam where he hops right back up and he's like, ah, like I wonder if that's real blood. Like I wonder if that's actually when he broke his nose and they kept that shot. Um, I don't know because it looks possible. It looks looks real. Like his nose, that looks like legit blood. Like his nose is jacked. Like I wonder if he actually that they that the shot was so good. Ari Aster was like, that was awesome. Who did that practical? That's not. Oh God, call an ambulance. So, uh, Stephen, like, gets a call from the school, and he picks up, and they say how, like, or he picks up Peter, and whose nose is, like, bandaged up now, and he's sleeping in the car, which I don't know if he's sedated, mm-hmm. or if he just, like... Yeah, I like how, like, the nurse is like, yeah, he, he's unconscious, he might have CTE, can you come pick him up? And they, not, just, not, a, not our problem. But, <laughs> yeah. but I don't know, if, like I said, I don't know if he's sedated from, like, a hospital or something, or if... I mean, for all we know, her, his father could have sedated him. If he's a psychiatrist, true, he could have given him sedatives, or if it was like from the trauma, like he just passed out. But like he, Steve's like, all right, and he get his legs, and they just like very haphazardly carry him unconscious into the house and put him in his bed. Well, before this, it's a quick scene, but like Steve's driving and he gets us to a stoplight where she almost ran through. Yeah, and he starts yeah. to like cry, showing like he's at his breaking point. Yeah, he's too. like he's past I, that. my my heart felt for Steve. Like, yeah. The person who's supposed to be holding everyone together is. Kind I literally of called him "good guy" Steve this whole movie, and um, so yeah. Then they carry him to his room, and Annie asks Steve to go up into the attic to see the body up there, and says that she like thinks it's her mother's. So when he comes, he like yells out from the attic, he's like, "Oh, okay." Can we talk about how like I really thought in typical horror movie tropes that he was going to go up there and there was going to be nothing. And he was going to be like, yeah, see, there was nothing up here. Yeah. But no, all I heard was, oh, I'm like, oh, shit. He actually saw it. Yeah. So uh, when he comes back down, he, like, asks her why she hasn't called the cops yet. And then Annie tells him, like, everything about how she found out about Joan, knowing her mother, and how she showed her the seance and the drawings of Peter that were made in Charlie's notebook. And Steve, like, kind of accuses her of being the one that. You dug up the grave. He's like, it was you, you dumped. Bitch, like just like that, like that's all he says. Like you dug up the grave, like, like really, you yeah. did it. Oh my! It, what What's funny is Andy doesn't say like, how the no. fuck you know this shit was dug up, motherfucker? Like, <laughs> why you act so yeah, casual? Yeah, it's already past that point where yeah, like she didn't even think anything. And I love how he's like, I didn't tell you because I wanted to protect you. Yeah. So yeah, so she's at this point. She's like, no, no, no. I know how to end this. I know you have to. You have to destroy the book. The book is the link. And she's trying to tell him like, I put the book in the fire and it set me on fire. And he's like, what is happening? So at this point, Annie is trying to convince Steve to throw the book in the fireplace because she can't do it herself because she can't because she, she thinks knows she's connected she, to it. She thinks that if she does it, she it, 
she can't commit suicide basically she's like i can't kill myself you kill me like just do it and just throw it in there trying to convince him by saying that she thinks it's like because of the pictures of peter that he's in danger so they have to do it right and so this is where i'm watching like apprehensively as steve walks towards the fireplace and he turns around and says nah i'm not not gonna do this like you're sick like i'm not gonna if i do this it's only gonna make you worse it's gonna enable you and i don't know kyle if you wanted to take it from here you want me to keep going but this uh you can keep going this scene got me annie is just so flustered she rushes at steve well she's flustered because he's like Bitch, I'm calling the cops. Like, that's it. I'm done yeah. with this. She's I'm like, done. oh, no, police. Do not call the police. <laughs> She's like, we have a body in the attic. Do not call the police. We're going to jail. So she rushes at Steve, grabs, grabs the book out of his hand, and hurls it in the fireplace, and Steve bursts into flames. And, oh, my God, I did not expect that. Pardon me while I burst into flames. I've had enough. <laughs> and Andy just watches mouth gaped open. And that then, was that, and that like my only criticism. Sorry, no, my, only, my only criticism about the effect is that like I clearly saw the fire suit because they they wanted to go very practical and very up. But yes, like the, I applaud them for that. Yes, though. and I do. And the, but the good thing about doing that is you. As he catches on fire, you can see the terror in Steve's face as he realizes he's being engulfed in flames. So I think at first it's CGI and then it switches like it it goes to a different shot. No, it has to because it goes to a different shot. I think they just lit him on fire and said, bro, whatever happens, happens, man. (laughs) Because I can see that the suit that he's wearing or the clothes he's wearing are a little thicker, which means that they've put him in the fire suit and they've gelled it a little bit. So like that's why he looks stiff and like big because i guarantee you they literally live burned him and they kept the camera on just long enough for him to be like this. like but it was good like it know, was well, the way it erupts up to his face like that like i don't think if they covered him in accelerant it would do that i don't think that's a good idea i don't think i've well, seen so. it before on tv if i think put, at the at first it's cgi and then when it goes to a farther away shot and they show him just standing there blaze i think that's a guy in a suit yeah regardless though but then they go to a closer shot again and you can't see the face, and I think that's really well done practically. Yes. The fact that the flames are so prevalent that you can't see the face. So you don't have to, like, you already know it's Steve, so you don't have to see. Mm-hmm. Poor Steve. The fucking. The poor one out for the good guy. guy. Uh, so I, then you can take it from Well, there. no, yeah. So then when Steve's lit on fire, um, Andy's face is, like, wide open, like, her mouth is wide open, like holy shit. Suddenly, she just like changes. Yeah, the light zooms in, like you hear, like you hear like, a little bit of a sound, and you see a light zoom and snap onto her face, and she's like transformed. So now something's obviously happened to Annie. And then after this happens, it cuts to Peter waking up from his nap or his CTE, his nappy nap, whatever his and CTE then, nap, his CTE, like oh yeah, and he looks over and sees the treehouse um, lights on, whatever you call that, um, the Space heaters? The space heaters lights on, so he figures someone's out there. But then he continues to call for his mom and dad. And this is the scene where, like, he's when he's calling for mom, he's sitting up in bed, and the camera's lingering on him. I actually, like, hopped up out of my seat for a second, because when you look at Steve, you know, you think he's in the bedroom, and then you look up just Peter, a little bit to Peter. the... Sorry, Peter, oh my goodness. You look up to the top corner of the room, and you see what looks like Annie literally, like floating pinned up against the top corner of the room. I think you're talking about the scene right after this. I think this. it's the scene after this. 
this he's still in his room at this point calling out like mom and dad yeah. no he he's be, in that room she's in the room yeah but so when they pan i don't think you see her until they pan Wait, she's in the room yeah so but you don't see her until because he's looking around his room yeah and it's dark and they pan like in a certain way where he looks to like the right and then she's behind him and runs off to our right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. She's okay. running along the... She's like crawling along the wall. She was there the whole scene. Oh, I didn't even notice that. I didn't yeah. know. I remember when that. They, when when they're looking him. at Steve sitting on the bed, Peter. you see her up there. Steve. Peter. Peter. Oh my God, I keep messing up. When you who is him, on the bed? Can we get to the oh, bottom of this Peter. first? When Peter. Who is it? <laughs> <laughs> who is it? <laughs> when, when you see... When the, when the camera's out and you see Peter on the bed... If you look up in the corner, you see... I'm going to have to watch this again. You yeah. see Annie up there, and then she is there the entire scene. And that's what makes, for me, makes that scene so anxious. And then, like, you're waiting for him to be like, look behind you. And the second he does, she does that creepy crawly thing yeah. where she does, like, her Ninja Turtle moves. and just Yeah, so I didn't even notice room. that she was in the corner. I knew when he turned his head, that's when she was, like, running around the wall. Yeah, no, she's in that corner the whole time watching him. Didn't even know that. So it's what I eerie. don't understand about this is like, I guess we'll get back to it later, but I don't know what's real. Because yeah, how the fuck are you crawling on a wall like that? Yeah, I don't know. Wild. So another thing, so he finally gets up and is still calling out for mom and dad. And why he doesn't he turn any lights on? I thought that too. He just walks around a dark fucking house. Like, I'm a little bitch, but I would turn the lights on. Too much of the weed plant. Like, that's what I was thinking. I'm like... I'm sure they have electricity. Like, what is going on here? There's no scene of someone cutting the breaker. The, no, like, he you doesn't know? even try. So that's what I'm thinking to myself. And then he continues to call and he walks down the stairs. Still dark as fuck. That's why I don't understand. Like, what normal human wouldn't turn the lights on? Well, I think he wanted to die. So if he tripped and fell down some stairs, I think he'd be all right with it. I already got a broke ass nose. Yeah. I so can't breathe. Though. He walks to the dark house until he finds his dad's body, like, burned and dead over by the fireplace and as he approaches it we get an angle this is where we were kind of talking about before where um you see someone standing like up against the wall or standing on a walk but their back's like to the slope ceiling in the background um and he looks behind him not up at the ceiling but, but also at this scene real quick sorry um when he looks at the dad is this where his head's gone too i don't th- is the yeah, head head's gone? gone oh then maybe because he looks at the body, and you can see the head's definitely gone. Oh, okay. Then, yeah, this is where, though. Okay. And then he looks back behind him, and you can see, well, you barely able to make out a person who's naked standing in the doorway just looking at him. Um, and that's when he hears a noise at the ceiling, and he looks up to find nothing there. And Annie darts out from the corner of the room where Peter's standing and chases him. And the chase begins. Yeah, and he's in fucking hot pursuit, dude. The way he just starts to sprint and like goes, I'm like, I could never start to sprint that, that guy, fast. He's tracking fields, tracking fields. I was my hamstrings, hamstrings yeah. right there. That's yeah. it. I'm down. Yep. <laughs> but she gets, she gets almost like, uh, she almost gets him, and then he's able to like get away, like, because she, she like lunges for him, and he almost falls down, but then is manages to get up the staircase to the attic, pulling it up behind him. And she just pounds on the retracted stairs as he yells and begs her to stop. And then we see the underside. Where mommy. She's, yeah, he keeps saying mommy. It's like, fucking, okay, fucking terrible. Pussy. Um, but she's, we get the shot from the underside where she's on all fours against the, the attic ceiling. door. Yeah. yeah. Dude, this like wild. Ceiling, wild. Her, her head is banging. She's smashing her head. the like, staircase door. Yeah. So I don't understand that. That's what I don't understand. Like how, if that's real, like if she's really on the ceiling. She had like glue on her hand. So she's oh, stuck right. up. Um, so Stick them. She, she stops and 
then he like looks around the uh, the silent attic and he only hears the sound of flies buzzing so he walks over to where there's like a circle of candles that are lit and he sees the impression of a body that was left in some dirt and his picture with the eyes poked out um he thinks he's dreaming and he tries to slap himself to wake himself up but then he hears a noise above him and he looks up to see annie floating sawing at her neck with a wire piano wire and then she starts picking up speed as like blood spurting out. And he looks to the side where he sees three naked people looking at him smiling. And scared, he jumps out the window yelling and he falls to the ground. And this is where Presumably, he's I think he's dead. Yeah, and when he when he dead. jumps out the window and he lands on the ground, it's quiet. But you still hear the, <laughs> the sawing and then the, like the thud of, yeah. Annie, of Annie's head hitting yeah. the ground. Yeah. And I kind of wish they showed it, but... I think also the sound effects of like her song fast, 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 and it stops. And then the I think thud. they show enough of it, like where yeah. it was okay. Yeah. Um, Peter picks up his head in the garden outside, and he watches as Annie's head or Annie's body floats up like the ladder to the treehouse. And he stands up, making the clicking noise that Charlie was making earlier. Now, what do you mean Peter picks up his head? Like he he's oh, laying okay. in the garden. I think he he, his head up. I think he so, actually picked up. No, his head. Like, right before this, a like the little light. Horseman, he just yeah. right before this, the little light floats down to him mm-hmm. and touches his back and then disappears, presumably entering him, and that's when he wakens. Oh. And um, so he walks to the treehouse, and there's naked people, like, outside in the fucking cold-ass air, just watching just staring. Yeah, I was looking at some wieners. Yeah, me too. I was, I was putting... I kept pausing and saying, well, let me circle the dicks on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> trace them with the tracing paper. Uh, and he goes into the treehouse where there's a bunch of naked people kneeling, bent over in worship, and Charlie's decaying head is on a mannequin with a crown. Well, also before this, you see like a floating body go up to the treehouse. That's what I said. Annie's body. That's Annie's body. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he looks down to see the headless bodies of his mom and grandmother who are bowed down as well, like facing uh, the mannequin with Charlie's head on it. And he looks around at the others. Uh, one of the cult members like takes the crown and puts it on Peter's head. And as he turns, he sees his mother's body or grandmother's and his mother's body like now face towards him. Still headless. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, hey. It's all right. Charlie. You're all right now. You are Paimon, one of the eight kings of hell. We have looked to the Northwest and called you in. We've corrected your first female body and give you now this healthy male host. We reject the Trinity and pray devoutly to you, Great Payman. Give us your knowledge of all secret things. Bring us honor, wealth, and good familiars. Bind all men to our will as we have bound ourselves for now and ever to yours. Hail, Paymon! Hail, Payman! 
Hail payment. That was your fucking cue, dude. Hail what, payment. You fucking motherfucker. We'll, we'll do it again. Hail payment. Hail, Hail payment. payment. Yeah, whatever, motherfuckers. Um, <laughs> and that's it. That's the end. And then the movie ends. It goes to the credits. But did you see the after credit scene? Was there one? No, I lied. Okay. <laughs> I saw it was nine bitch. minutes of credits and said, good night. You stupid bitch. I was no, about to be mad. I'll go first. Well, yeah, sure. I assume Rob will go last. No, Rob's going first. Okay. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. He okay. chose what we said. Jesus. So I'm going to start out with the, my rating. Yeah. I give it a five. Whoa. 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 And I'll tell you why. Hot take. Hot take. Um. So watching this movie, um, I was already fucking pissed off because of the Verizon thing. So I tried to like, Get that out of that way. <laughs> I give it a five because fuck Verizon. Fuck Verizon. No. Um, so anyway, so I give it a five. Um, these these type of movies I'm not into personally, but I do like thriller, like um, psychological suspenseful movies sometimes. And I think this movie does a really good job with suspense, where it doesn't have the the jump scares. You know, and I, I I praise this movie for that, not having the cheap fucking stupid jump scares. To scare you or... Ariester specifically said he did not want jump scares in this movie. So basically, yeah. So yeah. I, I didn't know that. But he that does... A, um, the visual effects in this movie are, all, are really good. Um, everything in this movie is really good other than I don't like the story. That's... that's <laughs> this movie is good except for the movie so That's part. what I'm saying. Honestly, like the visual effects, the acting is good. The Even when like the couple... Like when Charlie gets her head cut off, that's cool. And he smashes his face. Like... All that stuff is good. Like, I enjoy all that stuff, but I don't think the movie is put together well, like, where it keeps me interested in the story. Okay. And, like, I felt myself at times, like, getting bored with it. Like, okay, all right. Like, what what's, what's happening? And then when it got to the end, I'm like, I didn't expect that. And it's like, I don't care about it. Like, I don't know. I wasn't interested enough into the movie. Where I'm like, this happened at the end. I'm like, holy shit! Like, this is what happened. I feel like the movie took too many turns and twists for, like, and it didn't pay out for me. I can see that personally, and I can I can see why people like like this movie and like, but for me, it's definitely not. Maybe if I watch it again, I'm gonna say I can enjoy it because there's some stuff we talked about that I didn't really notice, like in the dark and whatnot, and maybe I watched it so late that's why I gave it a bad uh, um at five. That's, um, yeah, but I can definitely see why people are like, "Oh, this is really good." Like, especially that guy at the train station when, that one time when he told me, "Like, if you can't separate reality from movies, you shouldn't watch this movie. Oh it's my not God. for you." And I said, "I don't even know what that means." <laughs> I forgot the fucking. And so when <laughs> I watched I this, I said, you. "Does he think like this is real? Like, the people think this is real? Like, and I understand there's cults out there and whatnot, but like, mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, I don't really have too much to say other than." It, it the movie, I feel like it could be so much better than it is, and I didn't watch the trailer on purpose because I totally forgot what like I remember seeing the trailer when it came out, and then last night when I went to watch the movie, I said, "Should I watch the trailer just to remind myself what it is?" And then I remembered, "Oh yeah, it's about this fucking girl like yeah. doing weird stuff," and then she's not in it. So I gave it a five. Um, I would recommend this to other people because I feel like other people would enjoy this. Yeah, but someone like me or based on your taste, I could see you giving it that rating yeah do you have a favorite kill or not kill i mean there's well, only there's really, only like a couple in here yeah. but so i think the um the the bone saw or not bone saw fucking bone saw. The, the, the piano wire one like rob said is fucking sick like mm-hmm. 
they didn't have to show it when when you hear that you know exactly the thump yeah. you know exactly what the hell just happened yeah so and all the other stuff that happens when Charlie gets her head her head decapitated like I don't have like anything I don't know I don't have negative stuff to say about that it's just the I feel like the story is lackluster I got gotcha. you yeah so what do you think about it Kyle well I gave it an eight out of ten um, the first time I watched it I. So that's why I didn't want to watch. So let me cut you off. I'm okay. sorry to cut you off real quick. But I think that's why, because you watch it twice. I feel like if I watched it another time, maybe without writing and paying attention to my notes, it would be more enjoyable to me. That's why I did. That's what I was going to say. That's why I watched it twice. I watched it straight through once because people always said, like, not that you have to pay attention to it, but, like, uh, it's not what you think and it does does take turns. And I don't want to be distracted by writing and fuck it up for myself because everyone says it's such a good movie. So that's why I watched it straight through, and then I went. So, but the first time I watched it, I gave it like a seven, and then reading about stuff, and then rewatching it and going through, I'm like, wow, there's a lot of shit I didn't catch, and like the way they kind of did their research on stuff, I have to give them more credit, and it's an eight out of ten for me. Yeah. So, like, um, when we we talked about this, it made my rating go higher. Like originally, I was yeah. gonna say like a four. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But uh, it's definitely unique and it's weird. And Ariester specifically said he chose Payman because the whole Satan thing's overdone. So he wanted to go with a little lesser known demon, but one that's still real in mythology. And I guess that's where we can get into some of those words that were used, like uh, Zazas or whatever. Mm, I've heard of Zaza before. I don't remember what that is exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a demon, right? Uh, yeah, it's one that's um, mostly used when they're talking about conjuring of demons with like Ouija boards. Yeah, so I've heard of that because of that. And um, the Liftoch Pandemonium or whatever, Hebrew Liftoch or whatever is Hebrew for open or open up. And Pandemonium is just like a level of hell mm-hmm. written in, not the Divine Comedy, but Dante's Inferno. One of those kind of books. Mm-hmm. Um, so it pretty much means open hell. And then there's an, another one that's just using necromancy. Like, So they're all like, if you look into this while you're watching it, you'd probably be like, oh shit, there's something and something. But like, if you don't know. yeah, Well, that's what I read. They said for some people, they figured out pretty quickly what was happening because of those couple writings you, on the wall. Yeah, if you speak Hebrew, like right away, you would understand the pandemonium one. And the other ones are in other languages. I don't remember if they're all in Hebrew though. But either way, um, th- like that kind of little stuff where they did their research and it's not about just Satan, it's about Payman, who's, he's not even like um, necessarily like, he's the devil of like, or demon of mischief. So that's why like, th- that clicking was him, not necessarily Charlie. I mean, he is Charlie. They're one now, like their yeah. essences, but that's why like he clicks so much and was fucking with them, like like when they were sleeping and stuff. And um because he's a mischief demon. The yeah. whole head cutting thing, I think, is something that they show him in the book with a bunch of heads. To, they like, show him carrying three heads. Yeah. And traditionally, he has three servants. And so, in order to bring him into the mortal realm, sacrificing three in the tri- as also a rejection of the Trinity right, is a way of paying tribute to him, saying, you can't take your three homies with you, so we're going to reject the Trinity. So, and- who's that? El- Ellie... Annie and who else? And Charlie. Charlie. But then you also have Peter who dies. But that's and, why I didn't know if Peter's head was cut off. And 
Steve. No. And traditionally... In no, St- you're talking about Steve, dude. You need to fucking... Steve, oh my God. But Steve... I this is, this is like last week when Lost Boys and you said, I'm going to get David and Michael yeah. confused. And, I and, I'm Peter and he's Steve, Steve and Pete, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, no. But um, traditionally, the removal of heads is very common in sacrifices and ritual, sa- ritual right. sacrifices. Right. So, but yeah. Payment, man. Yeah. Um, Good pick. I gave it an extra point for all the dicks that they showed at the end because that's pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, no, um, it did feel long though. I agree with you there. Like there was points where I'm like, I felt how long it was, and usually I hate that in a movie. But in the end, for me, it paid off. I because it's so unique, and the fact that Charlie's reborn mm-hmm. in Peter's body, I, I honestly didn't get that until it happened. I'm like, oh well, I don't know how I didn't see that one coming, um, and. I like how they did that with the trailers where they purposely threw you off and you didn't know what the fuck was going to happen. I like that. So I wonder if this hurt the movie in theaters. Like, because you know, of how, like... People are like, oh, it has to be about this fucking weird the trail, girl. The trailer's like, whatever, I don't really want to go see it. I'll wait till it comes out on Netflix or Amazon or something. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but I just think that Ari is going to be like a force to be reckoned with in the horror community. Do you have uh, a favorite kill? Yes, my favorite kill is Charlie. Of course, dude. When she gets fucking decapitated, everyone's like, what's happened? Because at first I'm like, maybe that wasn't her head that popped off and maybe like something just rolled out of the car. Mm. And then later on when you see her head still laying in the road, I said, okay, no, she got decapitated. <laughs> um, but my least favorite kill is Peter because he dies when he falls out that window and that's fucking lame. Well, I'll tell you why. You ever play Fire 13th the game and he throws people out the window? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's why. <laughs> people just die automatically when they go through windows. Uh, and that's it from my review of it. I, I, I highly recommend it. Um, I think it does live up to the hype, and I'm glad that I did watch it once through without writing anything. And I'm glad I finally saw it too. And it makes me want to watch Midsummer, which I don't know if you're going to like. So I feel like I watched Midsummer in this. <laughs> I feel like you shouldn't. No, watch I, it. I watch it. But I'm saying if I, we don't review it and I watch it, it would probably be a lot better. Yeah. And I feel like I want I want to go back and watch this movie again. Yeah, do it. You know. Or don't, whatever. You Maybe know. I'll do it tonight at 1 a.m. <laughs> All right, Rob, uh, what about you, man? Talk to us. So I gave the movie an 8 out of 10. I was originally going to give it a 9, but I feel like sometimes the slow burn was a little too much for me. Uh, overall, though, I, I have to say that when I was watching this, I got a lot of the same vibes that I got when I first saw It Follows. The unique use of the camera as an actor. Yep. I've said this time and time again. When your cinematography is on point, it enhances your film to a next level. And the cinematography in this film was 110% on point. Ari Aster really is a master with the camera, with the way he stages a scene, with how he strings scenes together to weave a plot both visually, uh, aesthetic, you know, aesthetically. That being said, definitely subverted me in a lot of ways. I found myself being like oh here's the typical paranormal trope and then something happens and it and it shifted the film in a direction i didn't necessarily expect which i really appreciated i think that this movie was a breath of fresh air in a genre that is over cluttered by similar conjuration tropes and is really way too overblown and overdone Ari Aster really managed to make something very, very old and beaten feel very fresh again. And that's something that I can appreciate from him. I agree with you, Kyle, that I think going forward, as he hones his craft further, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the horror world, especially as he gets, like I said, as 
as he gains more experience under his belt, and I'd like to see what comes out from him next. Um, really cool using Payman. I feel like in the vein of The Exorcist and those films, Rosemary's Baby and all that, like when you link to the devil, when you link to Satan, you're linking not to some abstract ghost, but a, a entity that many Judeo-Christians can link to and Judeo-Christian societies can link to and associate with. So it becomes more tangible. And not only that, but the Satan thing, you're right, is really like overdone. Mm-hmm. So bringing in a lesser known micro, minor deity, it actually made me want to like look into it more and to understand it better. And... I honestly enjoyed the movie more hours after seeing it. Me too. Because hours after seeing it, I started putting things together in my head and being like, and then doing a little extra research and being like, oh, wow. Yeah, I like this. And I feel like that same thing happened with It Follows, where after the film, I was like, okay. And then did a little research. And I was like, oh, that theory. And then that made it even better. So I had that same effect. Like I said, the only reason why I didn't score nine is because I felt that at times it was a little, it was a little long the pacing was a little bit drawn out mm-hmm. other than that i don't want to disrespect that film i think this is a fantastic movie i think that if you have not seen it you should it is 100 percent worth a watch and i also agree that the film for me suffered from having to stop sometimes and type so you did only watch it once that's what i was going to ask you i watched it one time through and then close towards the end i started typing and then i managed to, i watched it another time through about halfway and I realized that um, if I had stopped and typed that whole first time, I would have ruined this film for myself mm-hmm. because the music and the cinematography cast a spell on you. It dry, it, it drags you in and you want to be along for the ride. Yeah. And I, so that's where... I think they do a better job than it follows with the cinematography too. Oh, I, yeah. I think yeah. So. I think I, I... I did a bigger budget though too. Yes, and I think that um, I, I I'm really looking forward to seeing Midsummer or Summer 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 Midsummer. Yeah, Midsummer. Yeah, you pronounce it. I really want to see it at some point. I'm sure it's going to come up in our reviews because I would like to see between this film and that film how Ari Aster grew and developed, and see how elements from Hereditary transferred into that, and how he as a filmmaker has evolved a little bit. And how his style is further being honed. So that's something I'm looking forward to. Favorite kill is definitely Annie. That sawing motion thoroughly disturbed me. I did not expect that. Especially the fact that she's making eye contact with uh, not Steve, Peter. Yeah. (laughs) I wasn't going to help you there. And how she just, when she looks at him and he looks at her, she just increases the speed. And I can't tell if I'm looking at her face like she's aware that she's doing it to herself but can't stop it. So she's got to suffer through it. It's a very disturbing scene and it's definitely haunting me. My least favorite kill is probably, probably Steve. Probably my least favorite one. Do you know which one Steve is? Yeah. He's the one at the end with the crown, right? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you thought that was... No, I'm just trying to be a fool. No, no, I'm saying you said Steve is the worst kill, but I'm saying... Steve's the one who cut on fire. Peter's yeah, the one who falls I know, the window. But I'm saying 
Do you think the fire kills worse than the jumping no, of them? I'm, I'm just I'm, around. Okay. Peter's the worst kill. Okay. I didn't even realize he was dead until I went after I looked after until I looked it up afterwards and they were like, Yeah, he died and payment entered his body and I was yeah. like What a bitch. Like yeah. that's how he went out. Yeah. Everybody went out brutally. He's like, Yep, see, I'm just gonna toss myself out a window. Well, that's like wild too, because like when he like looks at those naked people, he's like, Oh fuck, and just jumps out the window. Is he like I wonder if he's knowing like I'm gonna kill myself because of this whole situation or I like, don't know I if need he, to get out of here. I think it's kind of just like fuck it, I don't even care anymore because okay. my mom's dead, my dad's dead, my sister's dead. Like what the fuck is like, I killed my sister worse. and I just watched my mom cut her head off. And to yeah. harken back to that lovely scene in the school classroom about Hercules. Yeah. Pawns and a hopeless machine. Right. And so, uh, did, yeah. So, is that the end of your review? Because that'll bring us. That's a good segue into like perfect. Let's go other stuff. So, the whole pawn thing and something they have no control over. Do you think Annie? How do you do? You think Annie knew all along, or do you think she was a victim? What do you knew all along? Like what was happening, and she aided in guiding mm-hmm. everything towards him being taken. Or I don't think like, so. Was she a member of this cult? No, I don't think so. I think she was getting manipulated too the whole time, like by the payment. Yeah. So I think she was fighting it and she was strong enough to fight it until a certain point. He is the god of mischief or the demon of mischief. Yeah. So playing tricks and making you, lulling you into a sense of I have control is right up his alley. I think that my read was that Ellen or Ellie, the mother, mm-hmm. Uh, originally had planned to transfer the spirit into her son. And, that was and that's why he killed bro. himself when he yeah. said, oh, he, she's trying to put people in me. Yeah. And that it would have been plan. her sacrificing herself, Annie being sacrificed, and then, but it all went wrong because the son killed himself before the ritual could be completed. So that's why she says later on, Annie's like, I never wanted to have a kid, but my mother was so insistent in pushing me to have a child. But... At first, the grandmother was allowed to have no contact with Peter. Right. Who's a male. Who's a male. But Annie felt bad and let her have contact with Charlie. Charlie was supposed to be a boy, but ended up being a girl. And I think that the whole, you know, we saw a model of grandmother trying to breastfeed the Charlie. I think that she, that, that. The whole DID and everything was that she was carrying payment within her, and payment preferred to be in a male body, not a female body. So she was transferring the essence to Charlie, and it bound to Charlie. And so the whole goal was to get it into Peter eventually, but it had to be done. The ritual had to be completed. Right. Even one of those. Uh, this is back. So you don't think Annie was complicit? I want to say no. But then at the beginning of the movie, she's actively wearing the necklace mm-hmm. that her mother was wearing. And she claims sleepwalking a lot of the times. And honestly, who else could have brought the body? Like the cult members were just coming in and out of the house and bringing the body up. Or the body was brought there by supernatural presence. I don't know. Like there's just there's enough ambiguity to implicate her. And there's also enough ambiguity to see that she was an innocent bystander in it all. So, I know the answer already. Because somebody specifically asked Ari Esther in an interview, and he said, no, she's not complicit. She was a victim as well. But at the same time, 
Um, that's all he really said. But at the same time, you kind of get the idea that she knows something's up and that she has been fighting it for a long time. Um, and her mom was p- part of this cult and she didn't necessarily want to be car- part of it and she did try to suppress it. That's where the medications come in and that's where her sleepwalking comes in because what she couldn't do while she was awake, her body tried to do while she was sleeping and that's why in that dream sequence with Peter well, where he's saying like, why do you, are you scared of me and why did you try to kill me? And she says, I wouldn't try to kill you. I tried to protect you. I mean, she tried to kill Peter to stop him from being part of this whole seance and like, having payment go into him if he's dead oh well you can't have the body that's burned like you know so she tried to protect him subconsciously so she knows like she is aware of things but i think she tried to suppress it mm-hmm. up until a point where it was no it was out of her control like mark said like up to a certain point she could fight against yeah. it and then after that it's right. like oh well right and what always made me feel weird was the fact that well and the first time i watched it the bodies and how they're dead and headless but moving and apparently payment actually ha- can has the power to reanimate dead bodies like that's one of his powers yeah um uh, yeah what were you gonna ask no i was just saying like earlier also in the film we forgot um when she's like looking through those floor mats even one of them says charles on it, it doesn't say charlie yeah so he told yeah so like the grandma wanted charlie to be a boy mm-hmm. and in the treehouse you see one of the first people you see they're bent over so you don't see a face but you see that it's like uh, not long hair, but long hair, and it's like in a bun, and it's the same kid that was smoking weed with uh, Peter underneath the bleachers. One of the kids had like a man bun. I didn't even think that. Yeah. Oh and, wow. And all, and when she's in the very beginning, like four minutes in, when she's giving uh, the speech in front of like the eulogy in front of everyone, and she says like, "It's weird to see faces that you know I don't recognize, but I'm sure like my grandmother would feel or my mother would feel a little weird about it too." Those faces are some of the people. That, they're yeah, the people I the wondered cult. that at the end. I said, I like. I wonder if any of these people are in the beginning. They cause, are because at the end, she some something in there, the notes or whatever says she's the queen. Yeah, Queen, queen. Ellie. Yeah, and yeah, they queen say it multiple Lee. or Queen Lee. Yeah, they say that you see that multiple times throughout the movie. So she is the leader of the cult. She started it. She's the one that's going to receive the riches. That's why in that note she says the rewards outweigh the pain or whatever the fuck it said in the um, note. Yeah, and so this and that's where the dollhouse thing like the dioramas come into effect too like everything is out of their control it's already been set like they're just pawns they are toys they are lambs to the slaughter yeah and that's not that's not unusual when it comes to demons in biblical tales i mean if you look at the biblical tale of christ yeah that whole thing had to go the way it had to go according to according to the bible and it's same thing the idea of predestination that despite the choices we make there's a plan and that plan must be followed through with and it's very interesting how that's worked its way into the plot overall though i mean i just think this is i just think it was i think it was well done yeah. i think it was well done see now talking like this it makes me want to rewatch the movie now i say do it and give another shot i'm going to be watching it again this weekend for sure why cuz i want to show sam it and Joan is- listens to this i feel like every i feel like this is one of those things where if people watch this first, they'll appreciate this a lot more. I think that about most like reviews of movies, For whether sure. it's us or somebody else. But I feel like this one, listen to somebody talk about it and then going to watch it, it's going to fuck it up for them. Like you already have um, a prejudgment in your head of like yeah how you feel about it. Yeah, Joan's the leader of the cult now. I don't think so. That was her that, saying the king, right? But payments technically 
in charge. Yeah, but like, I mean, now like, he is in a physical form. Well, he, okay, so when you were saying the thing about like um, L Ellie having like the uh, payment inside of her and giving it to Charlie when Charlie was born, blood. Charlie was always payment. They were always one and the same when she was born. So does that mean payment already resided within Annie? Annie? No. But wouldn't she have been? No. Payment was trying to be come into the physical realm, but once. But Charlie was the host that was picked, and that ex- well that explains. But you're right; it would have been Peter, but Ellie wasn't allowed to get close to. Right, so Annie Ellie performed Peter. the ritual somehow. Yes, to put payment into yeah. Charlie to be born like Christ, born yeah. like into the physical world. Huh? Do you want to try this here? If you want, <laughs> you got a wood burning thing tool. You burn a fucking. You got a curing. <laughs> burn a triangle in this fucking table. Mm. I don't know. Overall, I think it's really cool. I I don't necessarily think of this as a paranormal movie. Like to me, it's not a ghost or this is a satanic film. Yeah, and when you said uh, Exorcist and Rosemary's Baby, that's the only other movies I can compare this to. And I don't necessarily think those are paranormal. When I hear paranormal, I think ghost possession. Yeah, that's what I think of like paranormal activity. Yeah, like insidious. But I know yeah. it is the paranormal because it's not normal. It's outside the normal, but. You're dealing with abstract forces in those films. Yeah. You are dealing with the legions of Satan yeah. and the battle for souls. At the end of Rosemary's Baby, don't they keep saying Hail Satan? Or am I thinking of something else? Hail Satan, the same way they said Hail I know, that's what I was thinking the same thing. I've heard that before. Yeah. And I don't remember from I what. I think it is Rosemary's Baby when they're sitting around. It could be. Yeah. Either way, I like this movie and um, I get the hype now. Anybody else got anything else to contribute while we wrap up? Okay, so that's everything for Hereditary from 2018. And looks like Rob has the next pick. Coming soon to a theater near you. So, we've given a lot of love to some various ghouls and creatures. Uh, so far we've covered what we've covered insects we've covered vampires we've covered various other ghouls and a certain little attack dog but we haven't covered werewolves so I think it's time that we do a beloved classic an American werewolf in London from 1981 this is the story of two young American students traveling through England on a night of the full moon I heard that. What was it? Could be a lot of things. Fate let one live. That lunatic must have been a very fierce fellow. Wasn't a lunatic. What? A wolf. Oh, be serious, would you? And now everything is changing. 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 John Landis, the brilliant young director of Animal House and the Blues Brothers, has turned a classic tale of terror into something new. Something different. Excuse me. A naked American man stole my balloon. I'm a werewolf. Bomb, 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 bomb
American Werewolf in London. Something different. I'm down for that, Doug. I'm just happy you didn't pick Silver Bullet. Yeah, when I said Werewolf. When he said, <laughs> yeah, when he said Werewolf, I was like, oh, fucking here we go. <laughs> Not for nothing. I don't like a lot of Werewolf movies. No, but I, I figured if I was going to pick a Werewolf movie, I might as well pick one that a lot of people know. And Yeah, Paris, right? That's what he said? He said Paris? No, I think he said Austria. Oh. <laughs> Pretty sure I said the Wolfman. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. He said Australia. Jersey Devil. I mean Alaska, sorry. So, yeah, I haven't seen this film since I was a teenager, so. Right on. I'm looking forward to really? revisiting it. Wait, is this the one where he plays basketball? I think you're thinking of Teen Wolf. Oh, my bad. <laughs> I think Sorry you're thinking of the one that. with the dick in the end. I don't know if you know that, Rob. Yeah, I know. Oh, okay. In the, in the yeah. gym, in yeah. the stadium. Yeah. How they got away with that for so long and didn't realize blows my fucking mind. It's great. It's the only scene I watch. Shout out to whoever that is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess American Werewolf in London's next. And that's it for us. If you have anything to say to us, if you want to email us, you can email us at vintagehorrorpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at vintagehorrorpodcast or Twitter at vintagehorror underscore. And we just tweeted out some good shit, so you better go check it out. <laughs> and uh, if you, we would like you to rate and review this podcast, please. Give us five stars. That would be awesome. But you can rate it whatever you really feel. And if you leave a rate and review um, and we read it on the podcast, you can just... Let us know, hey, that was me. Send us your uh, address, and I will send you some fucking stickers. And I'm trying to send out these stickers, but they're just sitting in my room. So somebody please rate and review us. Thank you. That's it. Bye. 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 Hell payment. Hell